It's all right. Deep breath. <laughs> Think Coachella vibes, you know. <laughs> Coachella vibes. Are you guys going this weekend? This goes. Uh, this is oh, all right. All right. All right. <laughs> so you guys got the crown ready. Yeah. <laughs> last time I went was 2014. It's been a while because yeah. college yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's probably really really good time. Really good time. <laughs> last one. Nick's got a man romper for the weekend. All three days. The Won't change. You camping out or do you have like a house out there? Camping. Okay. Oh Jesus. I feel like that's the way to That's what I said. Yeah. No. No. I don't know. It's really good. I don't know. Did you camp? Did you camp? No. No. I've always stayed at the house. You got experience at least once. You, you really want to shower after like 12 hours, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. And they have showers, and they have showers. Yeah. Isn't there like a time limit on the shower? Because there's it's no just so dusty, like you're just yeah. you're taking it all Maybe. in, like you're just yeah. breathing in. Okay, all we right. can talk about this later. <laughs> we, will, we can't talk about it later. Um, okay. And joining us today on Cautiously Optimistic is another special guest, someone who I used to work with back in the day and someone who is now doing bigger and better things. It's Avery Yang, who is an associate reporter covering the Angels and Shohei Otani this spring. He will be working at Deadspin this summer. He's really done it all. He's also written for ESPN True Hoop Network, covering the Hawks, Sports Illustrated, uh, Jack of Many Trades, and we're glad to have him on the podcast. Avery, welcome in. Thank you for having me. Great, yeah. So we are excited to have you here, obviously, because the hype train has left the station. The Shohei Otani hype train is off and running right now, and you are kind of in the mix in, within the team right there, up close and personal with the guy. First of all, what's it like covering the Angels in this role, and how lucky did you feel when you realized that Shohei Otani was going to be going to the team you were going to be covering? Right. Well, actually, I knew going into it that uh, that he was going to be there, so that was a big like reason why I decided to choose the Angels in the first place. Um, the show Otani hype train has been like ridiculous, actually. Um, from what the people there who like have covered the Angels for far longer than I have have told me is that like um, like atmosphere, the atmosphere at Angels games have never been this good. There was a random Sunday afternoon game the other day when he was pitching a, a perfect game, and that was on the same day as the Masters. Uh, and, and other like bigger events seemingly and uh, and it was it was hyped everyone was you know standing up chanting screaming um, and I, I think this is something that the angels haven't seen since really its beginning so it's been it's been great honestly um, being able to see Shohei like up close and personal uh, has been just a great experience and like you, you get to see like things that uh, I think maybe the public doesn't uh, understand fully like for instance he's huge like he's a giant yeah. guy you know like up close and personal you don't really know like I, I'm sorry on TV you don't really yeah. notice that he looks kind of skinny he might you know look kind of the same player like uh, that he is uh, that that than other people are but out, in person he's you know huge chest huge arms like like yeah. really really effective yeah like, and you see that uh, like that, that when he had his first home run and he came into the dugout and all his teammates kind of you know first yeah. off big league him which was great you know gave him the, uh, the silent treatment and then he, you know once they crowded around him you kind of noticed how huge that dude was because right, like, right. Trout wasn't nearly as big as him and, and that's a pretty big dude just to begin with there um, and you talk about just how like for example that Sunday with the Masters Angels are fourth in attendance in the MLB right now which you know, I don't think they've done in, in years probably the Dodgers obviously first so that's a continuing thing but do you think like it's, this is something to continue throughout the year? Like having this attendance, obviously his start days I think are always going to be well attended, but can they fill in those other five days? Because I know they're on the six man rotation too, right. so that makes it even tougher. Right. What's interesting is that how it's set up now. He's pitching every seven days, like seven he did in days. Japan, right? Mm-hmm. And so that just means that uh, going forward, it seems like every Sunday is going to be like an Otani day. Yeah. It could be like a whole event, like that's like awesome. how Sunday football is. Yeah, that's cool. And. Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, in terms of attendance, I think, I mean, it'll give them definitely a boost. What I think is interesting and, and, and could be a talking point is whether 
maybe like the business ops of the angels ops to like maybe I, I know there's a firewall typically between like the business ops and the baseball ops but yeah. whether they might try to be like hey like uh, i know he just pitched but we you know we yeah. want to sell these tickets exactly you need um, yeah yeah exactly so yeah that's i think we actually have that written down like do you think that at some point they're going to be forced to play him more i know like just from my own perspective like with a baseball background it's hard to have a young guy go out there and like someone that going forward is going to mean so much to the organization but at a certain point, like you said, it is a business, and you got to have people out there. And right. Angels got to take advantage of this for right. as much as they can, for as long as they can. Right. I wonder how the future goes in that direction, but I think if you're looking long term, you do want to make sure that he's healthy throughout. Yeah. Like what he does uh, four years from now is just as important as he does this season. I think looking short term in that way uh, yeah. is is hard pressed. And last night, actually, uh, he talked to reporters and he said that I talk to the medical staff every day and see how they're see how I'm doing my strength level to see if I can play that day. So it seems like he wants to play more. It's just kind of up to the team and the strategy they have for him. Um, and, you know, you're, you're a reporter there. You are in those media scrums sometimes. What's it like? What's a Shohei, uh, Shohei Otani interview like? I know he has an interpreter, but um, does he seem to like the media, the, the frenzy? That's kind of, and I'm sure it's going to just get bigger right. as the season goes right. on. So actually in Japan, they don't do clubhouse access. Um, so Shohei is always on the podium. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you see it. Uh, there are more Japanese media than there than there are American. Um, the hype is definitely there. Yeah. What I mean, obviously, you know, I, I think like Ichiro was the first time in our lifetime we really saw a Japanese player come over and just control media like presence within his own city, within his own city, and and you kind of saw Ichiro blossom into more and more of a character. I think Otani does has he has some personality so far. You know, he's made a few jokes. You think he has a kind of more beneath him that he's going to continue to let out? Maybe, you know, he should miss more signs of that when he was playing in Japan. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just a, he's a charismatic guy. Yeah. Um, you saw him show a little bit of emotion on Sunday, too, after mm-hmm. he got that strikeout in the seventh inning, too. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, I obviously wasn't there for Ichiro and mm-hmm. all the other Japanese players that came over, uh, but uh, he seems to have a charisma that maybe they didn't have uh, really? from what I see from the get-go, yeah. What do you think that is? Um, you know, I, I think... All these other players also have had similar media attention throughout their entire life, mm-hmm. but I, I think Shohei has just been so followed uh, his every step since he was in high school, because high school baseball in, yeah. in Japan is so huge, and you know, with the obvious social media now, it's a yeah. whole different dynamic, so yeah. I think I it's just... In Japan, they had the whole tournament for high school right, as well, right, the last right. entire year, and it's like covered nationally. Yeah, he's kind yeah. of been, you know, he's been a star, he's been like the Bryce Harper, like, you know, uh, LeBron James type right. player in Japan. Definitely, he, definitely, yeah. yeah. That's got to yeah. make it easier for him going right. forward with the media here since he's been doing it since he was, what, like, 13, basically? Right, right, yeah. Yeah, he was supposed to come over, actually, when he was 18, but he decided to stay, I think, for a myriad of reasons, but mostly because he, it was guaranteed that he could hit and pitch when he, if he were to play for the Nippon Ham uh, yeah. fighters, so. Yeah, and their club is similar, in a sense, to the Angels as well, right, like, as far as the market size, because I know that was a big deal, being, you know, when he came over, he talked about how he enjoyed being with it's the fighters, right? Right. And they, you know, they weren't the biggest club in Japan, obviously, yeah. but... They had a great presence, and they made it feel like home to him. Yeah. Is that something the Angels have been offering to him, essentially? You know, I'd, I'd probably compare the Nippon Ham Fighters to, like, the Cincinnati Reds or something. Really? Even a smaller market. Okay. Yeah, it's not even close to Tokyo. It's on a different island, actually. Wow. Um, uh, and, you know, he's he's a small-town guy. Yeah. He's, like, he's... I think that's how he's related to a lot of his teammates, too. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's, like, kind of like a country guy, I guess. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I think that's just kind of his M.O. Yeah, yeah, he didn't really want to play in the big cities. He wanted to... Yeah, kind of, the kind Orange, of Orange County. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> I, know of, I know a lot of the bigger cities like New York, especially, was super pissed off when he spurned <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah. Still, yeah. Oh, Yankees fans right. were just like salivating over his yeah. spring training. I, oh. That was. Because, you know, they have the tradition of getting all these like big name free agents, like guys from maybe Japan, like Matsui or somebody like that. 
And when this this next this next wave uh, headlined by Otani comes in, doesn't even want to go to the Yankees. It's kind of like a gut punch to them. But it, it makes sense if he is. I didn't know that that about his like you know country upbringing and that kind of personality. So I guess in that sense, Anaheim and the OC does make sense for him. Right. Um, but in terms of just you you being around him so far in the season, I know the season's young. It's only been like a week or two in, but what. What uh, interesting anecdotes do you have about being around him or anything that stands out to you hmm. um, besides maybe just like the physical, like you said, his size, but maybe emotional or anything you've noticed like in his personality? Um, you know, he interacts with his teammates very often, and I think um, he has good relationships with his catcher, Martin Maldonado. Um, and yeah, I think he's just a personable guy, even though, even though there's a huge language barrier between him and, you know, his teammates his coaches and even the media, I think, uh, I think it shows like what, you know, what he can be as a personality that, you know, obviously the, the player, like baseball needs in a lot of ways. And we saw stuff like with the Dodgers, like a guy like Ryu gets along mm-hmm. with like Puig, you right, know, or yeah. like something like that. Like, is there, is there anybody that Otani's kind of gotten close to so far that you're just in general or that we wouldn't kind of expect? Cause that was like a weird sure. friendship that we weren't ready for, for sure. I think, for but sure. like, is there something like that? Well, so he went to a game, a Ducks game, before the season started with Andrew Heaney. Apparently, they're very close. <laughs> I haven't seen it in person. But, uh, yeah. um, so that might be a weird one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, just because I know we have your with the Angels, uh, Kenny M. Middleton, I yeah. think, is really dope playing the MLB. That doesn't get as much coverage, maybe, because sure. he's with the Angels. He's a huge hip-hop head. Do you have sure. any interaction with him? Do you ever see? Yeah, him? actually, I wanted to write a story about uh, his new hairstyle. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, the dreads. <laughs> I was, I asked. Yeah, I was asked. Like, if, if you don't know, he's got red dreads right, right. now, basically. Right. Um, I don't know. Is it his all of his hair? Or is it just? I can it's only it's see the tips of, the hat, of it. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks um, like it's full red though when he's on the mound because he's got right, his hat on. It right, looks dope, but. right. I was asking him like the preparation of it, why I decided to change. I was like, did, did Lil Yachty have any influence on yeah. it? <laughs> and he was like, no, not at all. But uh, and so nothing really came out of that. But uh, yeah, no, definitely, definitely a, a, a middle reliever guy that doesn't get the press coverage. Yeah, I feel like if that's like he's a Dodger. He would just he would have been <laughs> you know just engulfed by the fan base there, and especially right. on Twitter. You know, I like. I'm sure you're pretty active on Twitter. Is the Dodgers have such a strong Twitter following? Do the mm. Angels kind of have their own core group of people that maybe not as much on the coverage, but even just people that are continuously yeah. talking? Like, you know, there's this like a very you know present thing you can feel on Twitter. It's like for Dodgers sure. Twitter. Like a lot yeah. of people that continuously talk. You see the same names again and again. Is there anything like that for the Angels? For sure. You know, I don't. I haven't really interacted with that realm of it. I'm sure it's there, but yeah. uh, I've gotten more of my interaction with like actually Japanese uh, Twitter users. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, no, no, I haven't interacted with it yet, but I'm, I'm sure it's out there. Yeah, that's interesting. What is, like, the Japanese Twitter fan base like right now? I mean, what, uh, is, what is their, like, how do they get most of their coverage? Because I know right. part of the reason he chose to be on the West Coast is so that the people in Japan could see more of his games, right? Right, right. So what, I mean, are they just getting it straight? Is on like, the local news there every night, basically? Yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> uh, like I said prior, like, it, there's actually more Japanese media at the games than yeah. American media, so I, I think they just get it from their local coverages. Um, there are the, I've talked to a few of the Japanese media members, and uh, their their role is essentially they come here and just follow Shohei Otani. Like they might have been covering, uh, for instance, I, I made a friend there who covers the Tokyo Yakult Swallows. Shout out Lasting's Millage. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Hey, Wilmer Valentine. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, he covers it for the Nikkei, which is like a huge paper out there, mm-hmm. and uh, he literally left his post to come here and cover Shohei Otani full-time for a few months at least, and they switch out. Like, another guy comes in a few months later yeah. and does it. And so the media attention there is, like, they, we are following Shohei Otani. That's crazy. And the games will cover, uh, will show games of just Shohei Otani, but also other regular season games that 
like of the Angels that yeah. he might not even be a part of. Yeah. So. And, and right now you're rocking the uh, Shinzo Abe jersey as well. Uh, you, <laughs> you got that in Japan, right? You said. Right. Right. Have right. You been to many Japanese games. I think that's one thing. You know, I have a friend that's playing professionally in Japan right now, and he says oh, it's no just way. insane. You know, he's a starting pitcher, so it's like he comes out, especially on the road. It's so loud. He says, and he yeah. says it's just. A crazy, crazy uh, difference compared to American baseball. Like, right. Can you talk a little about that. Well, to begin with, Shinzo Abe is the prime minister of Japan. Oh, He's really? a different guy. <laughs> oh, my bad. I told you. That. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> What's his first name? Uh, Shinuke? Shinuke, yeah, yeah. He's a catcher for the Man, Giants. Yeah. That's good, though. You know, I'm playing my political game all day. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. No, I get Shinzo Abe a lot, though. I no. just tell friends when I walk yeah. in this, too. I'm like, I'm Shinzo Abe. Well, yeah, it's, yeah, I got to show my uh, classic Americans yeah, on the exactly. podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My uncultured sense. Go on. Uh, um, but no, yeah, I mean, it's just a whole different game plan. It's more like college basketball out there. They're like really? banging drums and yeah. like hitting things. And the like, there's like chants and everything. Yeah. It's like uh, European football in a lot of ways, too. That's one. So do you think that has helped Otani coming over here? I mean, he's playing uh, in, in the OC, which I like classically always referred to as like the biggest bar in the OC, essentially <laughs> Angel Stadium. Like, right, right. just kind of walk out there. Before this year, I haven't been to a game this year, but in past years, it's just been so laid back, and, like, there's just a lot of people hanging out, like, yeah. half paying attention to the game, half not. Right. Does this, you know, first off, is there more energy, and does he, you know, is he ready for that, basically? Definitely more energy. Yeah, yeah definitely. And um, so, is Otani so, ready for it as well? Yeah, I'd say so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, baseball is Japan's natural sport, and so um, the, there's been hype around him since the beginning of his uh, baseball career, really. So yeah, no, I think he's I think he's uh, ready for it. I think uh, and I'm maybe isn't even uh, you know as hard of a market for him as it was in Japan, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's easier. That's not yeah, right. yeah, I'd say so. You had mentioned you know uh, kind of befriending some of the Japanese reporters who are covering the team, and I noticed on your Twitter bio you say that you're covering the Angels and Shohei Otani. You mentioned right. that. Do you, was that a mandate from your editors once you got the position to kind of? you know, focus more so on Otani just because the hype is there? Um, no, I wouldn't say so. I think that was my own personal decision. Okay. Um, you know, I, I came into it knowing that I was covering this figure rather than the entire team, at least from my perspective. Um, so we have two reporters, actually, you know, obviously the main one who does it day by day, and mm-hmm. then we have associates who come in to help them. And so there's, you know, my Maria Gordado, who's like kind of my boss, but I work with her. Um, uh, she kind of handles, I think, more of the, the Angels. She does more of like, the insider knowledge there. She knows the, the team better. I'm kind of there, I feel like, just to cover Shohei Otani's like, every move, similar mm-hmm. to what those Japanese media yeah. reporters have come here to do. So. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, obviously the Angels have arguably, if, probably not arguably, the best player in baseball. It's Mike Trout. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, he doesn't get the media attention because he plays in Anaheim. That's a, you know, well-documented narrative. But sure. So another narrative that's kind of been popping up just this week, just because of Otani's success, you know, he, I mean, his stats right now are, you know, he's, he's pitching to a 208 ERA with 2-0, 364 batting average, three home runs. Mm-hmm. If Otani can keep it up on both sides of the ball here, yeah, and it, maybe not reach, you know, Mike Trout levels of hitting, but above average hitting and above average pitcher, what he's, what basically what he's doing right now for the entire season, do you think he can have MVP consideration? Oh, 100 percent, 100 percent. I think. Yeah, like you said, that narrative might push it just because it's something we've never seen before. And so even if, I don't know, I mean, like, the MVP races before have all been, like, quantified by, by like, war and, and, and yeah. actual statistics, right? And I think this one, it's just, like, you can't really quantify whether or not this, how, this uh, whether or not when you hit and pitch, like, how that really affects war. Like, yeah, so, I, yes, I think, I think even if maybe he has, um, 
maybe he has like he's like a nine win player and Mike Trout's a ten or eleven. I think there might be enough momentum to push him as into the MVP conversation. Yeah, I mean even at the rate he's going to, you know, last week he had a, a one more week, which is a joke. Uh, you know, some players right. have that throughout the entire year. And just speaking of that, that's a really good point. You know, you talk about all the the new wave of analytic reviews as far as MVP races go. You know, why Trout? You can make a case for it should have three or four MVPs at this time. For Otani, if he is an average hitter, let's say he hits you know twenty five home runs and hits you know two seventy and he wins thirteen games on the mound, right. his WAR could be you know up there with any other of the MVP candidates. And I think that makes him worthy of it just in that case. Because if you're going to argue that point, the value of a player, the most valuable player. He literally brings more value to any other team in the MLB. Yeah. Being able to pitch every seven days, like you said, as well as hit five or six times a week. Right, right. So there's no way, I don't think that, it does he continue, you know, at the pace he's at, if he does this, he'll definitely win MVP. But even if he slows down a bit, he'll have a really good chance of winning. Right, right. And I think that that's, that goes to your point. Uh-huh. Um, if, like, he'll probably end up with a lower war just because he has to pitch once every week. He'll have less starts. He'll probably end up with, like, 25, yeah. less, than, less than 30 for sure. And then he'll probably bat only, like, 70 games. Uh, throughout the year, and probably not even hit 25, just because he'll have like, yeah, I don't know, maybe like 280, maybe yeah. 250. I'm just thinking if he's going to hit three a weekend, man, right? Maybe right, <laughs> right, get to right, 25. Right, right. Yeah, no, it's it, it's crazy, and like you said, it's something we've never seen before. I think that's my favorite part about it is like people are so baffled, and I think that's why a lot of people think they didn't work. Which is another thing I want to ask you about is have you been covering basically since uh, you know the season started, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So during spring, you know, they had so many hot takes on how bad he's going to be. Honestly, the yeah. awful spring he had. Yeah. Um, has he addressed that at all? And yeah. Does he enjoy that? I actually <laughs> asked him directly. Um, <laughs> I was like, so over the summer, you know, there's a lot of like uh, scores of anonymous scouts and, yeah. and you know, uh, pundits who have said that uh, you couldn't hit at the major league level. Like, what yeah. would you say to them now? And he was basically like, just very, very humble about it. I uh-huh. think what he said, yeah, what he said was, um, uh, you know, I, they had the right to say bad things about me because I yeah. didn't have a good spring. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, you know, though I'm hitting well right now, I will hit a slump. I will hit a wall at some yeah. point. So I'm just going to take it day by day and uh, try to improve every day. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a great uh, response. My yeah. great, Jeff Passan wrote uh, many, many terrible things about yeah. me in the spring. <laughs> right. And then <laughs> wrote, Dear Shohei, I'm sorry. I was totally wrong about you. Yeah. His most recent <laughs> post. So that was great. Yeah. I don't think yeah. you see many times a writer will come out the first week of the season right. and apologize to a player because he has totally shifted the narrative on him. So yeah. that's, that's good for Shohei. But I think that is smart. You know, every every player is going to go through slumps. And so it's no right. reason to build yourself up. Right, right. But I want those anonymous scouts to come out yeah. and just right. identify themselves. <laughs> I mean, you're pretty familiar with like Japanese baseball players too. I feel like every player that has come over has been so humble and so kind of like uh, you know, respectful to the media. Is there any Japanese baseball player that is kind of like, you know a little more outspoken or will like let you know if it's going on? Oh man, uh, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But maybe Kawasaki, just because he's okay. a nut. But I'm not yeah, sure. that guy is insane. I love him. He has some of the best interviews yeah. in the last couple of years. I like, actually asked my buddy, the Japanese media member, yeah. I was like, "Is he funnier in Japanese or English?" He's like, "English." Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you talk about how humble he is too. Do you do you see that? I mean, I think it's probably a benefit to to him because when he does hit that slump, it right. seems like he's going to have a good attitude about. It and right. not really let the media affect him but like was the media coverage over there in japan like would it be harsher on him than do you think american media is going to be because i mean he's in anaheim so it's not going to be yeah yeah too crazy yeah. like if it was Fair. in new york or even in la <laughs> yeah i don't but know how do you see hard that it was yeah i don't know how hard the coverage was but uh he definitely i mean he he won a japan series which is like their world series like mm. basically all by himself so uh, yeah, there, there, there was a peak level of coverage there. I'm not sure how hard it was. Like, um, so when he hits that slump here, because I, I think yeah. that we're on a, it, we all agree right. that there's going to be at least one. Like, right, you're not going right, to be able right. to hit three home yeah. runs a week like he's doing, you know what I'm saying? But right, right. 
his attitude is in a good spot where he's going to be able to handle it, yes? Yeah, yeah. What he's told the media, at least so far, is that, yeah, you know, like, he's expecting that he's going to hit a wall at some point, and uh, and he's just kind of going through his routine. And I think he knows. I mean, it's baseball, obviously. Yeah. He's going he's gonna to have, like, a slump at the, at the plate. He's going to have a bad outing. So I think he has a good mindset going forward. Do you think that. he's working a long con reverse jinx? I'm just going to oh, <laughs> Yeah, right. I'm going to slump. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right, right. I'm going to slump yeah, for sure. Yeah, For yeah. sure. And yeah. actually, you know. Wins MVP 16 years now. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, a pretty smart move. So one of the segments on our show is called the start, bench, cut. Basically, mm-hmm. we take three items. We start one, we bench one, and we cut one. And it's going to be up to you which what you want to do with it. And so since we're talking about Otani, we decided to make our start, bench, cut about Otani. And the three uh, subjects here are Otani the hitter, Otani okay. the pitcher, and Otani the interview slash his personality. Okay. So if you had to start one, bench one, or cut one, what would you do okay. there? Um... Well, this is going to be a standard answer, but it's you know, I'd start his pitcher. Bench okay. is... Bench, right? Start, yeah. bench, cut. So cut bench cut his personality, bench is his bat. Okay. Yeah. So just, okay. just just kind of the things that produce for him. You don't really right. care about how he acts or how he talks. Yeah, yeah I think it's important, especially for the MLB now. There aren't really like personalities besides maybe like a Bryce Harper. Um, but I, I wouldn't say... I think because of the language barrier, I'm not sure how well he's going to connect. I think obviously as a player, that's how he's going to make his mark. Right. That was interesting because yeah. I I you could also argue that, you know, baseball needs personality more than ever right now. And, you Definitely. Know, uh, and especially a team like the Angels, Trout's not getting that. And that's part of yeah. the reason why he doesn't get yeah. the coverage. Um, but interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think that's a standard answer too, just because yeah. no. hitting and pitching is what is why people are watching him. Right. Um, and yeah, for me, I mean, for me, like the, the hitting was something that I was most concerned about going into the season. And similar to what Sully mentioned with the Jeff Passan article, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Nick I was not a fan. Of I was not a fan. Of <laughs> I, I, was, I was calling him like he's going to be a bust before right. the season even started. Is it because he didn't go to the Dodgers, Nick? I didn't want him to go to the Dodgers. <laughs> okay. I, right. I thought this was going to be a thing where, you know, another player who comes over who doesn't really perform that well, you know. But at, I, I've been wrong so far. So it's far. It's still early. It is still early. No? It is still early. Um, obviously, it would be sweet to have him on the Dodgers at this point, but. I mean, instead of Matt Kemp for somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty nice. Does anyone have anything different for the start, their own start bench cut? Because mine is different. I want to pick those three. Um, I, would... I was going to switch up huh. my start, the start in the bench. I was going to start as hitting, so, bench as pitching, and then cut the interviews. Oh, like interesting. Okay. okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start him as a hitter. I'm going to bench his interviews, and I'm going to cut his pitching. Oh. Just wow. because I think the pitching is always going to be there. You can throw 100. Right. To a certain degree, you can always fall back on that. The hitting, you gotta start it just because that is the thing that's gonna like propel him to stardom, like true, true stardom. If he can be like genera- generational hitter, which I think it's like if you're gonna call someone the Babe Ruth of Japan, that's the biggest thing you're gonna be able to do. Like being able to pitch every seven days is great, but when it comes down to a clutch hitting, great things like that, I think is what fans really wanna see. At least I do out of him. Like I love seeing guys throw 100, but in today's league, so many guys do it. I think it's awesome to see someone that can do that as well as hit. And then the personality, I think Nick, you had a good point there. Being able to like show a little bit of that is great. Not that he has to. I think the saying you know that he's kind of a farm boy is almost something that American fans I wish knew more about. Because you have guys like you know Madison Bumgarner or a whole list of other guys that get that country boy rep, and they're never asked to produce you know interesting personalities. So it's like staying in your lane and be able to express that and gain fandom through that. I think is a big thing for him as well. Yeah, and I I agree with you with a, to a point about the pitching. You know, the pitching is kind of what teams already knew he had, and so mm-hmm. it's not as exciting that he's you know throwing hundred or whatever. I'm gonna have to keep. I'm gonna. I'm gonna bench pitching and keep keep pitching on the team because what you mentioned last week, Sully on the podcast, 
kind of the troll job he did with the splitter. He didn't really throw it at all in spring yeah. training, and then busted no it out. Are fantastic. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. Like that's such a, a small, like a smart thing. It was just talking about like right, right. With the like twenty percent increase, I think the time when she threw in Japan, he just like didn't throw it at all during the spring. For sure. Like, I mean, it's down. similar to what Ichiro did in, in spring training when mm-hmm. he came over, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, he was just trying to hit it opposite way the entire time. Even his manager Lou Pinello was like, "What is he doing? Like, yeah. he can't hit." Yeah. And he comes in and just wins the MVP. So yeah, I think. That's fantastic. You know, yeah, pundits so. like Nick who uh, who yell at uh, yell at spring training numbers. Pretty much, you know, yeah. he just tells people he's not as like these people can't do that, this and that. You yeah. Know. Yeah. yeah, it yeah. is what it is. Um, I think we're gonna start calling him Nick the Nick the pundit. Nick I, the like pundit. That. <laughs> I like that. So and one question just about Ichiro too, just you brought it up. Yeah, um, I know he is like I've seen him take BP multiple times, and he just hits like absolute bombs. For and sure. He doesn't do that in a game. For sure. What does the Otani BP around look like? Right. Yeah, now? yeah. I did want to talk about that actually. Yeah. It's uh, just a lot of homers. A lot just of a lot of homers. homers. Yeah. <laughs> he just, he just doesn't. Yeah, he just, just crushing rocks. No, I don't. Field. Yeah, basically, basically. I mean, um, taking Corey Kluber dead center, you know, for a bomb is is no joke. Yeah, so I'm imagining definitely. BP has got to be an absolute show. Definitely, it, it's the opposite field power that like really surprises me. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's actually incredible to watch him in, in BP. What's the farthest one you've seen him hit? Oh man, he hit one beyond you know the center field Anaheim, the Rocks, uh, Angel Stadium Rocks. Yeah, yeah, he hit one like that hit the very top of it once, <laughs> and I it's was like just a, like Jesus, five hundred fifty right, home run. Right, don't they, have, actually, like a, don't they have like a bar or something like right behind there too? Like <laughs> you're gonna hit some people that aren't ready. For it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And OC moms have about three glasses. <laughs> <Exactly. of water. laughs> Jesus, oh my god. <laughs> And this is actually before his first home run, right yeah. before his first home run last Tuesday. Uh-huh. And so I was like, okay, maybe he's going to have a good day today. Oh, yeah. Jack won his first at bat. There you go, man. There you go. Wow. It's funny, though. He thinks it's going to be a, a big thing for the MLB going forward, regardless of if he's a superstar or an average player. As long as he's yeah. in the MLB for a long time, it's going to be a big deal. So, yeah. yeah. Thanks for coming on and talking about him. For sure. Um, we got more to get to, for sure. <laughs> basketball yeah. time now, right, Nick? Basketball time. And I know Avery is also uh, a basketball follower, connoisseur, you could say. <laughs> Knows a lot about the team. Has been embedded with some teams, specifically the Atlanta Hawks. Would you just like to tell the uh, audience kind of your background with basketball and journalism? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I go to, go to Northwestern now, but before that I went to Emory in Atlanta, and there I got to cover the Hawks uh, for the end of the 2015-16 season and the 16-17 season. Um, and so I was there for every home game, um, and that was uh, their last playoff uh, appearance, I think, for the next, like, five years. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, I'm going to stop you real quick. Yeah. Nick didn't mention that you went to Northwestern. Yeah. So Nick and I have a, a continuous feud between Northwestern and Minnesota. Whenever they play <laughs> sports, so we just battle. My know? parents are Northwestern. Oh, so no way. I, I, I ride for the Wildcats. Okay. Wildcats, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. He, he's a big I think Nick, Nick just casually but purposefully left that out when he was uh, talking. Oh, yeah. Okay. He, knew, yeah. he knew what he was doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he knew exactly what he was doing. Actually, you know, I was so I transferred very recently, and I actually asked Nick for advice, and he told me definitely to go so maybe oh. that's uh, I, didn't, I didn't know that either so uh. there it is <laughs> yep, there yep. it is it comes out I mean I, I didn't go there but I know about that middle school journalism and so far I mean it's paying off for covering Otani shout now, out so. Jay Adande yeah. you know what I'm saying yeah. my guy my professor this past awesome. quarter yeah. Yeah. they got some decent ones <laughs> yeah so anyway yeah go ahead and uh, actually another sort of a uh, small world here Jesse went to Maranatha who, oh, no Tyler way. Dorsey Tyler Dorsey Word. who's on Word. the Hawks now yep 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 yeah yeah, yeah so good uh, shout out shout out Maranatha basketball you yeah. know what I'm saying we out here because I, I was wondering because you were covering the Hawks obviously before Dorsey got there right yeah. and remember when I was doing that story on Dorsey when I worked with him so yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah yeah so it's 
a ridiculous It all comes full world. circle. Yeah. It all comes full circle. Yeah. And, uh, what else is coming full circle now is NBA playoffs. The seedings are set um, as of last night. We're recording this on a Thursday morning after the season has officially come to a close. So we were just going to kind of go through uh, some of the first round playoff predictions and uh, the matchups, intriguing storylines. Before we do that, though, um, a quick shout out. I think we all know about Andre Ingram on the Lakers. Got the call up after you know, <laughs> 10 years in mm-hmm. the G League. Sully, you were at the game last night. Yeah, Lakers it was. Clippers. Crazy. Yeah, it was. And so, you know, I think it, although Lons didn't play, Kuzma didn't play, Brandon Ingram did not play, which <laughs> tough, <laughs> tough when you. That was the only game I went to for the Lakers this season. Andre Ingram or Brandon Ingram? Brandon Ingram did help. No, no, I'm saying for you. Like, oh, which do you prefer? Oh, <laughs> I mean that's tough. 2018 right now, it's got to be Andre's year. Hey, there you go. Essentially, this one. I mean, no, so look at saying, Andre's averages. Why are we not talking about him <laughs> yeah. the rookie of the year? You know? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Game is, is a little. Yeah, low. screw Donovan <laughs> Mitchell. Screw Ben. Yeah, he's a shooter. The one thing I will say is though is that so many people are going to be able to see Lonzo and Kuzma and Brandon Ingram play for years. How many people will ever get to say they saw Andre in the NBA? <laughs> maybe to see. Maybe these are his only two games in the NBA. They so. could be. That's what I'm saying. You know, he, I mean, assuming... Well, actually, I don't know. I mean, I think the Lakers might offer him the max. So they'd have to figure out who to pair with him <laughs> in the summer. I, yeah, I saw a couple posts like that. You know, right. match him and DeAndre Jordan. That's what I think that would just take us in the right direction. Yeah, I think... Good to go that. And then, <laughs> yeah, just bring in a couple other pieces. Maybe Ray Allen can come in and shoot. Ray Allen, yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. That's how you build a championship team. That's what I'm saying. But, uh, yeah. yeah, so it sucks that neither the Lakers... Well, it doesn't really suck with the Clippers, but they're not in the playoffs either. No L.A. basketball uh, for the playoffs this season. But is there a first-round matchup any of you guys are, are super excited about? I don't know if I have one that I'm more excited about or not, but there's a lot of excitement well, for sure. Before we get there, I just want to ask you quickly one more thing about the game. Oh, I don't know if you stayed until the very end. I uh, did. Alex, Cr- Alex Caruso, a friend of the podcast, yeah. made the final three of the Lakers season, which I think was very fitting. Yeah. And One thing they won't tell you, though, is that Alex Caruso missed two free throws and uh, the entire stadium got free Chick-fil-A. And he did that oh. about a minute before. Okay. So that was tough. I mean, he didn't make up for it with the three. And I'm not bad because I got free Chick-fil-A out of it. So. And also, what was it like seeing Boban play in person? Uh, awesome. <laughs> it's so cool. It's weird because it's one of those... Uh, it's one of those players that looks like he's playing on like an eight-foot hoop. You know, he doesn't jump very much. And he just kind of like puts it up and like goes like this. He's pretty skilled around the rim. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, when he puts a guy on his back, like, they are not defending it. Like, there's nothing they can do at that point. He, he was getting buckets. He had a double-double. Uh, I would say Lakers... Uh, a Boban Andre Ingram double max deal <laughs> may be in the works, but so yeah. I saw I actually saw him in person, not like in a yeah. game, just like I was at the hotel because when he was with the Pistons, uh-huh. I know a guy with the Pistons, so I was hanging out with him, okay. and we were just in the, their team hotel, yeah, and we're walking around, and he goes, "Oh yeah, there, there's Boban right there," and I look up, and I literally like looked, <laughs> yeah. looked way up. That I mean, fool that, is that huge. Anthony Davis photo of him like looking up at the ball, or Anthony Davis looks like he's like six one is crazy. It's insane, but yeah. A lot of coaches have said that Boban has like just dominated practices for years. Like just will put guys on his back, all stars on his back all day, and they're just afraid to play him in a game. So he's yeah. a really like mystifying figure. He's just in the wrong yeah. era of basketball. I feel like if he was in like maybe 10, 20 years ago, when yeah. the game was slower. I mean, he should be he should sure. be in the fifties battling with George Michael. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's essentially what it is. But it's his defense this, that restricts him. Yeah, from exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean yeah, that's so. the thing. But it's like yeah, if you can put him in for stretches of like you know ten minutes at a time and just put him in the post. He could easily get a double double for you, maybe be like twelve and ten or something like that. But yeah, it really is just the defense. I don't know if he's a free agent, but if we don't get Brooke for a deal, Boban, 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 Boban Nation, Boban, we yeah. could split Boban and in, in, in the zoo. Yeah, split yeah. time with I them. Like that. I like that. The international Lakers just uh, mm-hmm. live at large. You got yeah. 
But um, back to the playoffs now. I think we can just go through some of these matchups, you guys, and kind of give our thoughts, our predictions for the matchups, and any, any other intriguing storylines that we may have. I guess we can start on the Western Conference. Um, we'll start with you know the one eight matchup, the Rockets and the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves got into the playoffs on the very last day of the season after almost blowing that. You know, Jimmy Butler came back and uh, they won in overtime over the Nuggets to get in. Um, unfortunately, I mean they're playing the best team in the league, nineteenth best team in NBA history according to some metrics. Uh, I mean, what ESPN? <laughs> what, do you, what do you guys think? What do you guys think? I mean, I, I love this Wolves team. I think we were, we were talking about it a little bit before, and yeah. you got here too. It was like, I wish that they could have got the seven. Yeah. So, so they could play the Warriors, you know? Like, I, I mean, I don't think they have really much of a chance against the Rockets, but. I, I think it's going to be a better series than a lot of people are thinking. I think, you know, the Wolves look like they're still kind of figuring it out, especially with Butler just coming back from injury. But when it comes down to it, yeah, it's just the Rockets are, are too good right now. You know, barring uh, some kind of Chris Paul injury, which we've talked about in the playoffs happening again and again, I think they're going to cruise to, you know, a, a pretty far destination in the playoffs for sure. Yeah. But the Wolves, like you said, it just sucks that they're the eight seed. If they're the seven seed, playing the Warriors would have been much, much better. See, I'm not so sure about that. This is what I was going to talk to you about, talk to you guys about when I mentioned earlier. The Wolves, as, a, as cute of a story they are, you know, they got in for the first time. So cute? And, cute. Yeah, they're a cute story. First time in 14 years, they get in there. It's nice. Everyone's happy. They make it to the playoffs. That's where my family's from, Nick. First time. <laughs> Just saying. First time Watch since 2004 when they played the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals with the Sam Cassell, uh, Latrell Sprewell, Trenton <laughs> yeah. Hassel, all the guys uh, whose names with ELL on that team. A little fun fact. All of that, they don't have a good defense. Their defense is terrible. Cat yeah. can't play defense. The Rockets are going to tear them apart. Yeah. Uh, I have the Rockets sweeping them. But what if, if Jimmy Butler plays 46 minutes a game, uh, then they'll win, right? Isn't that what Tom Thibodeau According to Tom Thibodeau. That's what Tom Thibodeau right. right. told us. Right. Do you have any different thoughts, Avery? Or? Uh, no, I'm with you on that yeah. one. I think it's a sweep. But I, I do want to see Wiggins play 48 minutes a yeah. game. Someone has. Someone's <laughs> for sure yeah. playing 48 minutes. Someone yeah. is playing 48 minutes. <laughs> yeah. we'll we, know, we know the butcher. It'll be Georgie Dang. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what the people need. All right, Thunder Jazz. This is, a, I think, going to be maybe the best rat- matchup in the West in the first round. Like, as far as like just going to be a battle. My thoughts are off the bat. I know, Avery, before the podcast, you said, I would not want to play the Jazz. I wouldn't want to yeah. either. Russell Westbrook going to average triple-double, or does average triple-double again in the NBA season. I just think, as I saw last year, he just gave it all in the first round. Like, he went so hard. Uh, I think he's going to do that again. He's going to carry them to a win. But that's also going to kill them kind of going forward. You know, That was the issue last year is that he just was balling out so hard. And it was a different team, you know, without Melo and PG. But still... And Melo since also break just hasn't been very good, and PG can only do so much to help them get through. But I still think this matchup is enough for them to get over. Yeah, I mean the Jazz are one of the hottest teams in the league. They finished the season twenty-seven and five. Um, you know they have a Defensive Player of the Year candidate in Rudy Gobert, one of my favorite players in the NBA, Joe Ingles, just because I love his game. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously a Rookie of the Year candidate, probably not going to win, but in Donovan Mitchell, you know. Russell Westbrook chases the rebounds, gets 19 rebounds in the final game of the season to make sure he averages the triple-double, only scores six points, so you know he's going for that record. Um, I mean, it wasn't hard for him to get the rebounds playing the Grizzlies, the worst team in the league. Um, but I'm kind of with you, Sully. I think Russell you know, will have enough in the tank with some of the new supporting cast here, Melo, Paul George, uh, Stephen Adams has improved his play a lot. Um, I think they can get by. I think Donovan Mitchell having to guard Russell Westbrook for that series is going to take too much out of him and won't be able to lead them because he's basically their only option on offense. Pretty much, so um, it will be a hard-fought series, but I think the Thunder pull it out in seven. Uh, what do you guys think? The Thunder pull out in seven. Okay, so um, <laughs> pull it out. In seven. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I, missed, I, heard, I heard that wrong. Um, 
The, it's unfortunate. I think the Jazz are a good team. But my biggest question for the Thunder, not only in the first round, but throughout the playoffs, is do they have a switch? Because if they do, then that's a really, really scary team. We ha- I don't think we've seen the best of what the Thunder have yet. So if they can turn it on, and it may not, they might not have to do it in the first round. But if they can turn that switch on, that's a team that can go as far as they want to go. We have guys like like Melo's an incredible player, and obviously he doesn't have the postseason success. But um, a Paul George has been there in the East and battled LeBron in his prime, really. Even though LeBron's probably still in his prime, which is incredible to say. But prime. yeah, like he battled those Heat teams. So Paul George is battle tested, like, and we all know Russ has that drive. So I, I think this team can go really, really far. And the Jazz could have beat some of these other teams in the first round, but. I don't think that the Thunder is the team. You say the Jazz is a team that you don't want to play. I don't think no. the Thunder is a team that anybody wants to play in these playoffs. Or is Paul George a Laker? <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. I, mean, I think it's more likely than not. Yeah, it could. These playoff series could depend on that too. I think yeah, how definitely they, they kind of can function and mesh in these playoffs will determine a lot for Paul going forward. Also, yeah, sure. something I've talked about a lot on the podcast. You know, as much as I want to see the Thunder fail as a Laker fan, side of me thinking, you know, if they fail, Paul George will want to bolt and come back to LA. I don't think it matters, honestly. It probably doesn't matter. It also, it's it's going to matter less if they keep winning in, this, if, in these playoffs. If they so. had been like a smashing success and they were like the one or two seed right now, then yeah, we would probably not be thinking that as much about Paul George coming to LA at this point. But them being, you know, where they are and kind of the struggles all year, the, the tough narrative they've had to play through, Seems like an easy choice. Yeah. Kind of Are you there with the Thunder in this uh, series, Avery? Or? I, I actually think the Jazz pull it out. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. yeah. I, I think just the combination of Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell just brings them over the Too edge. Too much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely conceivable. Yeah. We'll yeah. see. I mean, if Donovan Mitchell can step it up in playoff time and crunch time like he has during the regular season, it's going to be a really good series. Because yeah. I think he, you know, along with, with Rusty, are players that can just take over games and change the outcome of games, you know, from where they're headed. And I think one more thing about the Jazz before we move on. Uh, besides, you know, you hear a lot about their culture, like the chip on the shoulder type culture. Even adding to that, they have three players, I mean, two players and a coach who are in the consideration for the awards. And so all of them may not get it, but they want to prove themselves. You know, Rudy, Donovan, and Quinn Snyder is also in the running for coach of the year. So if they can just kind of all come together and show that they deserve these awards and just kind of play out of their mind, that's a way I can see them winning. But again, I think it, it will be a hard-fought series, but uh, Thunder and Seven for me. That uh, Gobert-Steven Adams matchup is going to be really fun right, to watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. that I was, When I was thinking about this matchup, you know, Gobert could dominate any other center probably in this bracket except yeah. for Steven Adams, who I think is one of the best centers in the NBA. And, and um, you want the Thunder to keep winning just so you can keep, keep getting more Steven Adams quotes, really. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, just wanna, I want to find out more about his book. Yeah, the, the, he, does he have a book? He's, no, so like, he, like, they asked him the other day, they're like, Steven, like, I heard someone's writing a book about you, like an autobiography. Uh, He's like... Oh yeah, mate. They are writing a book about me, <laughs> and then they're like, "Oh, okay. So what's it like? Like, what's the writing process like?" He's like, "Oh, I'm not writing, and I can barely read." <laughs> <laughs> so he's just got a ghostwriter writing an autobiography, yeah, and, and he's like, very upfront about how he yeah. has a ghostwriter. It's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm barely really funny. Now, moving down now, what do you guys think about the Blazers Pelicans three six series? Uh, Blazers have been one of the surprise stories, one of the good stories of the NBA. They got to the three seed. Uh, Damian Lillard, MVP candidate, not going to win, but definitely deserving. Uh, CJ McCollum, they, they're just a good team. Uh, they're in the three seed. Of course, another MVP candidate is Anthony Davis, and uh, they will. The Blazers will have home court advantage where they play well. 
Um, but for me, I'm actually going to have to take Anthony Davis. Just the way he's been playing the second half of the season, mm-hmm. I'm taking the Pelicans in the series in an upset. 6-3 upset over the Blazers. The Blazers have been a fun ride, but they're scuffling a little bit near the end here. And that's why I think the Pelicans have a little more to prove and will do this. I think right. the, the Blazers... Just they clinched earlier than most teams in the West. I don't think they like. I think they cruised into the playoffs. I I've been seeing a lot of, oh the Blazers are limping in. They're limping in. It's like they just stopped caring. I think yeah. I don't think they were like, they had nothing to play for in this last week. They had already clinched. They had already gotten in there. You know what I'm saying? Soul's pointing at his wrist. You know what time it is? It's <laughs> damn time. It's damn time. It's damn time. <laughs> you know about this. Look, buddy. love what Anthony Davis is doing. That's that's all good and fun, but. You want to talk about a chip on your shoulder with the Jazz and all that? That's the Blazers. They're yeah. playing with they're playing with something yeah, else right now. If, if you haven't yet, I suggest go and reading uh, Lee Jenkins' latest piece on Dame. Um, it'll I think show you a lot about how that organization runs and what they do as a team. And it for me just kind of put me over the edge for how much I enjoyed watching them play this year and how good I think they are and kind of strong. I think the biggest thing when you come to the playoffs is more so you know you obviously need a lot of talent, but if your team is not you know strong and bonded together, it's never really going to work. And that's something that Portland really has going for them. Without DeMarcus Cousins, it's hard to see them winning this, this series. I think that's just the biggest thing it comes down to. That, that you know, Twin Towers idea that the Pelicans have had, especially with Rondo the playing, playing the way he does and Anthony Davis enjoying it so much, I think would have really been special this year in the West. But without him, uh, I just don't think there's going to be enough to beat that Portland team. So I have a question for you guys. Yes. Who's going to guard Anthony Davis? Hmm? I mean, who's going to guard C.J. McCollum and Dame Lillard? I mean, Drew Holiday can match up pretty well with one of them. <laughs> come on. You want to talk about defense? <laughs> come on, bro. Don't, really? no, don't, talk about, don't talk about come defense on. when, I mean, the only d- good defensive player are, like, they're terrible team defensively. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I, team I, defense? I, I think like, Anthony, Anthony Davis is a great defensive he can, player. He may average 50 and 20 for that series. They're a, they're a terrible, the, yeah, they they're don't terrible have at team much defense. Else going on beyond that. So, like, they get 130 put on them, like, like a Holiday decent amount. needs to play out of his mind for seven games, because it's probably going to go that long for them to win. Avery, settle this debate. Who do you have? <laughs> I, mean, I have the Blazers, but okay. for no, like, definitive reason other than <laughs> David Miller and, Dame and Dame CJ McCollum. Yeah. Uh, what about his defense? Dame's defense, non-existent. He's a great offensive player. And again, go, I refer you back to Lee Jenkins' article. It discusses that in there. <laughs> That's going to be my source for all Dame things going forward. Um, it... I'm gonna let I'm gonna let the Blazers outscore, yeah, the Pelicans because it's just AD exactly, and like Drew can put up points, sure, but that's come on, man, a shootout. That's like you said, AD could do fifty and twenty. Where's the other seventy points coming from? Drew Holiday needs to average thirty-five on top of that, and Rondo needs to be like a fifteen and fifteen guy for them to win the series. They have a floor spacer now, Miritich. It's it's underrated, but it's important for that team with Anthony Davis in the middle. John Rondo has been there and knows how to play in the playoffs. He can find the guys. I, I think. The veteran leadership of Rondo, even even it's leadership of Rondo. Leadership of Rondo. Yes, yes. The veteran presence of it, like Damian Lillard has been to, I think, the second round once. Rondo has won a championship. Emeka Okafor back in the league, holding on the defense, helping Anthony Davis on the defensive side of the ball. They have these little guys who nobody really talks about. Who I think just just trust me. It's I, know, I just want to say this. I just want to. I want to know you're in the G League. I don't care where he started the year. I want to know your now. three. I want, I want you to know what your three biggest points. Not your biggest points. Your three points that you just made was Rondo's leadership, uh, Ameka Okafor, <laughs> I and I forgot what the third one was. There it doesn't was another, matter. Yeah. The Blazers are going to win the series. All right, we'll see. We, we can settle it at that. I think we can go back and forth on this all day. 
I, I think I what you said about Anthony Davis, though, like you just let him get his 50 points. Yeah. And then you just worry about the rest of the offensive points. And that sounds funny, yeah. but like yeah. literally let him get 50. Yeah. Like yeah. let him go off. Yeah. If you want Where's to your 70 like, coming from? to dunk. That's fine. Yeah. Like you can dunk all day. Go for it. They're going to go down, knock down threes, you know. And it's going to go well. They're going to have to put up 120 a game to win this series. Anthony Davis is going to be averaging like 29 and 15 in the series. He's going to pull them through. That's not even close to enough. <laughs> 29 <laughs> and 15 is not enough. 58 and I feel and, it. And I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, Blazers. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And, I'm sorry. Yeah, they got and Portland, 12. Portland is devastated now that Nick has, has outcast them from the playoffs. That's fine. That's uh, fine. Last matchup in the West here, Warriors-Spurs. Uh, to me, disappointing because I think this Warriors team, or this is from a Lakers standpoint, uh, they could be knocked out in this first round if they're playing maybe any of the any other, literally anybody else anybody else but i don't think the spurs have anything going for them i can't believe they made the playoffs um it's crazy to me you know like the warriors are, are really going to be able to sneak well they're not going to sneak by them they're just going to beat this team and then they're going to be back at full strength and it's you know it's hard to go from there i, I don't know it's hard to beat a warriors team with kevin durant and steph curry playing well at the same time i think the spurs could steal like one or two games yeah, but maybe. that's. I mean, I don't see much else from that. Yeah, no. I mean, no Kawhi. And it's just. I mean, Kawhi. although they were talking about he may come back, I think something like that. Or he's he may, not coming he's back. Probably, I wouldn't come back if I were him. You know. Yeah, <laughs> one game maybe the Spurs get. It's just it's the Warriors got lucky here. You know. Yeah. Any of these other teams without Steph Curry could have a chance to knock off the Warriors completely. Upset the Spurs are a team that's really trending down. Like you said, Sully, they limped into the playoffs. They just aren't not ready for this. And Warriors beat them last year without Kawhi. They're going to beat them again without Kawhi. It's just. Warriors are going to get to the second round and give more time for Curry to heal, which is good for them. But, uh, you know, there would, it would have been a much more intriguing matchup if it was, if it was somebody else. Uh, Avery, do you think the Warriors have any trouble with the Spurs here? Uh, I don't. But, I, well, I read an athletic story recently that, that he was talking about, Steph Curry was talking about his athletic trainer, and he was like, why, do you, why is she so great? And he said the April 15th, 2018, and that's the start date of the playoffs. So is that confirmed that he's not coming back for sure this this series? I think it's still in question right now. Okay. Even if he does come back, you know, obviously looking back to like how he played in 2016 when they lost and he's yeah. still coming back from an injury, you get a shell of him kind of, you know, he's so yeah, mobile. And he's so an 80%, athletic. Yeah, 85%. Just another ankle injury like that is is tough to go out and play the way he plays. That's, that's interesting. If he is tar- if that is the date he's targeting, I mean, I, I, would, I wouldn't say they're going to bring him back for the series, but maybe if the Spurs like get two wins here and yeah. start making the Warriors sweat a little bit, they... They rush him back, and I don't know if that's the right move, but maybe you'll see him in the series. Yeah, but if, I don't if think the that's... Spurs can go and win two on the road in Oakland. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't think yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> so but yeah, we'll see about that. I think, yeah, nothing much. Nothing much else we can say about yeah. that besides that. Yeah. It kind of sucks that they're. So with that, we can move over to the Eastern Conference now, and a series that Jesse is. I know the one eight matchup here. Jesse has love for the Wizards every year. My second favorite team in the league. Second favorite team in the league, who are now the eight seed, going against the Toronto Raptors, who have been another great story. Fifty nine wins this year. You know the Raptors, the well documented playoff struggles or the playoff yips, whatever you want to call it. The Wizards have been such a weird team, and I guess we'll throw it to Jesse here. John Wall's back, but the team doesn't seem to really like him. He's their best player. What's going on with this team? So the Wizards, it's like. I, I think so. They, Wizards better without John Paul. No, no, no. That, <laughs> that was, call him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the the most hilarious thing. But so that's the thing, though. Like there was all that stuff that came out right when Wall got hurt. Right. Well, they they squashed that. They're fine. Mm-hmm. But they're still not like. I don't think they're still not used to John Wall playing still. Yeah. And Wall changed his game a little bit. I think he needed to change a little more. They. You want to talk about limping into the playoffs? That's what the Wizards are doing. Yeah, and that—that's the scary part. Like I was, I was just praying they got the seven instead of the eight, mm-hmm. so they could get the Celtics and kind of get things together while they beat the Celtics. But 
That's a tough matchup. I mean, the Raptors are so good this year, and I mean, they they're just a, a season team at this point. You know, they like I know you talk about the yips. I don't even know if they have playoff yips when you having to play LeBron and the Cavs. Like going to seven games against the Cavs and losing, even if you're on your home court. And Lowry's had his troubles, but but <laughs> yeah, last he, year it looks like he got over that. Yeah, it certainly did. So uh, yeah, I think they're gonna roll through them. Although you know, I'm excited to see Kelly Oubre wear some supreme leg bands and arm sleeves and all stuff like. I that. love Kelly Oubre so much. Kelly Oubre is an inspiration. I don't know like how he doesn't want to play in a place like LA. I'm sure he does. Um, I would be so he, pumped to have him here. Yeah, he would be like the younger reincarnation of Swaggy P, but he also is a really good player. So. <laughs> he's very, he's really good, and he checked. Kelly Olynyk, so yeah. you're I mean, my that's guy. My guy, yeah, <laughs> you're my guy. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. If John Wall can lead the Wizards to like a game one win in Toronto, you know the Raptors fans are going to get all the same feelings rushing back, all the nervousness. I just don't think the Wiz- the Wizards are too dysfunctional this season. I think they can maybe steal some games at home when they're in Washington, but Toronto is too good. They're not going to let this first round matchup slide. It's going to be, I think, Raptors in six at most. If I had to bet on a series that was going to be a sweep, I'd bet this one. Really? Yeah. Okay. For sure. Okay. That was kind of aggressive and kind of hurt my feelings. But, um, <laughs> just for you, Jess. No, I'm not saying the, the Wizards, like, they have the talent to do it. Like, they have yeah. the team to do it. I just don't think they're going to do it the this The Wizards year. season will be over before you go to Coachella weekend, too, Jess. <laughs> Let me tell you that much. I don't know what the dates are, I'm so just, I can't. It only takes four. That's all I mean. They're going to play Saturday, Saturday. Are they going to play four Sunday, games? Monday. They probably play, like, probably not. Friday. Uh, so you'll be in the middle of a set. You'll be dancing out there, and I'll just hit you with a text. Wizards are out. Nah, nah. The Wizards are going to take this to six. Do you have any uh, thoughts on that, Avery, with Raptors and Wizards? Do you think the Wizards can pull off the miraculous 8-1 upset? I don't think so, but I I do want to talk about the the John Wall-Bradley Beal dynamic. Like, apparently they don't like each other, right? (laughs) That whole thing is so weird. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Because Brad Beal loves, I think Brad Beal loves playing without John Wall because he he finally has all the attention. Right, right. And so, like, he's he's a little bit of an attention whore. That's just who he is. Okay, so Jesse, you're you're in John Wall's camp on this. I think I love both of them. Okay. Like, don't, don't. I'm not saying that I like one more than the other. I mean, I do like John Wall more, but you know, <laughs> I'm not saying yeah, exactly. But I'm, I'm saying, saying. Right. yeah. But but I'm not not in Brad Beal's camp. I'm just more in John Wall's camp. Okay. So is there credence to the hot take that we just dropped about? Oh, is, is are the Wizards better without John Wall? Like they're not better. Brad Beal's right. better without right. John Wall, but yeah. the team isn't. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. And yeah. when John Wall went out, we got Thomas Sadoransky, and that dude is a G. <laughs> I love Sadoransky. I like him too, actually. He filled in pretty well. Uh, moving down, King James and the Cavs. They're the only the four seed this year. You know, we all, we all know about what the Cavs have been through this season, and most recently the Tristan Thompson debacle. We can talk about that too. But they're going to be playing the Pacers, a well-oiled machine. Pacers, probably the most improved player with Victor Oladipo. Uh, very good story this year. Nate McMillan, very good coach. But it's LeBron. Uh, you know, is, are the Cavs too dysfunctional to get out of the first round, or is that just a stupid question? Personally, that's a stupid question. <laughs> you got LeBron James on your team. You should just be given a first-round pass, pretty much. I mean, what's his, he has some crazy stats, which I'm sure will be tweeted out over the next couple of days, about his, like, first-round matchup victories, and, like, when he gets ahead in a series in the first round, he's probably, like, you know, 87-0. and 0. He's never lost in the first round. Yeah, never yeah. lost. Right? Yeah. Is that what it is? Exactly. Never lost. Yeah, it's <laughs> exactly. Right, big baller brand. Relax. <laughs> um, yeah, I just don't see them losing. Uh, you know, yeah. it's just what it comes down to. They have Seti Osman on their team, too, who I'm a big fan of. <laughs> right. Just because he's crazy and, and LeBron loves him. So, uh, watching Jarrett Smith as much as I can is, is a national pastime. I don't know what yeah, else You got the Lakers on there, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance. Yeah, um, I, want, I want to see Larry win. I think Larry, yeah. Larry's had to struggle through some awful Laker teams. I'd like to see him play a little in the postseason, just absolutely posterize some guys. 
Uh, that would be a dream scenario. Just watch him come down a lane and, and destroy someone on the Pacers. This is a similar, you know, situation with we talked about some of the Western Conference matchups. I think the Cavs, the Pacers got unfortunate in their draw here. You know, the Pacers are I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> you got like, the Cavs in the four yeah, or five. That's the, tough. The Pacers yeah. are, I think, a good team, better than like th- this. This should be better. They deserve better than this. Is what I'm trying to say. You know, um, and. I think they can maybe take a game in Indiana or two, but you know, at the end of the day, this is just King James. He's going to be too much. I don't really know who they have to guard LeBron. So I, I mean, <laughs> no one can Cavs in five for me. I want to take. I want to take the Pacers so bad, but I mean, let's just be realistic here. You know? Yeah. Like I love Oladipo. I think he's been so fun this year. But uh, yeah, this is this is. I mean, like you said, LeBron's never never lost in the first round. Yeah, yeah. never lost. That's just what it's going to come down to, and and I do want to see Clarkson and Nance win. You yeah. know, shout out to our boys. So there's that. <laughs> but moving on. Yeah, it, this is it feels like the matchup like with the Sixers. This is my favorite, I think, matchup of the playoffs. Yeah, they should be the four seed. I feel like, like that really Pacers fun. Sixers matchup should be the one who should be yeah. getting right now. But we're not. So Sixers Heat. This is so much more fun though than. We get Whiteside and yeah. Bead for yeah. a playoff series? Yeah, that's yeah, nice. It's, it's oh. hard to argue with that. Is Embiid going to play it in the series, though? He's got the mask ready. Yeah, he's got the mask, got but the mask. I think he's going to miss the first it's, game. The so. social media with the mask is going to just be out of this world. Yeah. Yeah. From Embiid and just everyone else, you know. And it's, Ben Simmons is, is talking right now. He's, yes. he's all cocky. I'd like... This Sixers team was so fun, yeah. and we're gonna get so much like you said, good social out yeah. of this. Oh. <laughs> Hashtag content, you know? Yeah. Content. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Um... My prediction, I think it's got to be Sixers. Um, I, I think the Heat, like, they're fun, but they just aren't quite good enough to beat the Sixers team. Embiid, if he can play like you know, 80% of what he was at the season, and Simmons continues at that pace, and the rest of the you know cast, and Markel Fultz, triple-double in the year, you know, 12, 10, and 10, but if he can have, you know, I don't think he's going to average a triple-double in the playoffs, but he's at like 12, 7, and 5, something like that. It's a really nice piece to just be able to tack on right before you make a playoff run. You got the layup king, JJ Redick, cooking <laughs> as well. Um, so, I, you know, this is Sixers. I mean, I'm also mad at the Heat for not being the eight seed and getting the Raptors, and yeah. now my Wizards have to go lose in the first round. Yeah, but that's a, that's a so that's game. another partial bias. But yeah, a few things about Sixers Heat that Nick, I wanna... do you, Nick, do you have anything to say about Sixers oh, Heat? Man. <laughs> Yeah, a few things that I want to say about Sixers Heat. <laughs> what do you want to say about Sixers Heat, Nick? I want to say a few things actually. One, the Sixers we know are a hot team. They've won six in a. Oh god! Is <laughs> <laughs> it a camera just rattles you're you just, like that? That's so easy. <laughs> I didn't know it was that easy to rattle you. All right, let's start this over. Sixers Heat, Nick. I have a few things to say about Sixers Heat. We all know the Sixers are one of the hottest teams in the NBA. Have won sixteen games in a row. Probably have the Rookie of the Year. Embiid, you know, a great team. If they're if, if they're if they're healthy, they have a great lineup. You know. J.J. Redick, a veteran. Covington, defensive. They, Can you put some respect on his name? The Layup King? The Layup King, as Jesse likes to call him. Thank you. However, this is also a, a bunch of young guys who will be playing in Miami, in South Beach. There's distractions to be had, and I think, you know, it's, it's something to worry about. The Heat the heat are also... <laughs> okay. not like, let's skip Bayless. This isn't a regular, like, <laughs> playoffs are different than a regular. Like, they're they're gonna going be on... into a community where there are clubs. <laughs> they're going to go clinch in Miami and turn up on South they're Beach be on after boats. the season. With Odell Beckham Jr. But let's just think about it. The Heat are also a very well-coached team. They they work really hard. Uh, you know, probably harder than the Sixers need to work with their talent. So if if that you know if that your analysis is that the Heat are just going to work harder than the Sixers. That matters. I think the Sixers are a young team. They they're brash. They won 16 in a row. They might not take the Heat seriously. That's what I'm saying. I think yeah, an NBA team probably not going to try in the playoffs. 
I'm just saying these are things to think Listen, about. You got at the end of the day though. The, at, at the end of the day though, the Sixers are going to win this, but I think it's going to be a little harder than most people are thinking for them because of their you know first time here, first time on the stage, the process, first time in the playoffs, seven games, but the Sixers will win seven games. Avery, do you, do you agree with Nick's take that the Sixers get lost in the clubs in Miami? I think that that's a hard take for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in the playoffs, yeah, I don't know. And Embiid's got a fucked up face, so yeah. <laughs> like, call it because you guys can't see it here that are listening. But Nick has a beard now. He's yeah. a bearded Nick take, you know. He's beard a lot Nick hot. is crazy he's with the takes. He's wild. It's the beard wisdom. I'm telling you guys, watch out for this. It's gonna be a harder fought series. Okay, don't about. don't say beard wisdom because I have a beard too. I don't want that being called beard wisdom. I don't want a Mecca Okafor is a big difference maker in the series. <laughs> As big wisdom Ron or beard wisdom, sorry. Yeah, you know yeah. I don't want the fact that the Heat are just going to try harder as beard wisdom. All right, so what do you guys think? How many games is the series going to go then? Five. Uh, yeah, five. Five. You think five as well? Five, six. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I like where you're going with six because I'm going seven. Just watch; it'll be a hard fought series. <laughs> okay. All right. All that to say that the Sixers are still going to win. Yeah. So sure. that. Celtics Bucks, an interesting one. You know, no Kyrie, obviously the biggest headline of going into that for the Celtics. They have enough to stop Giannis. I mean, he still think that, that they're going to win this easily. You know, I don't. I'm kind of leaning towards the Bucks at this point. Although Bucks in five. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm all aboard the Bucks. I you know they I think were my upset pick last year in the first round. Although they did not come true, they went to seven, and I think this is the year that this comes true. Yeah, they, I think I'm the Bucks in this series for sure. See, I'm over here thinking I had a hot take with the Bucks, but you guys are all on the train too. I'm taking Bucks as well. It's an upset. Kyrie, you know, Brad Stevens has done a great job with the Celtics and like their makeshift ragtag team without Gordon Hayward. Now without Kyrie, they have Jason Tatum who's playing well, but you know, Marcus Smart's going to be out for probably until the end of the series at most, uh, at least. I think they just people are loving you know Brad Stevens and what he's done with the team and say, oh, the Celtics like just the Celtics way will get them yeah, through. It's a team. It's, it's a, a team, team. <laughs> but it's not going to it's not going to work. Like Gian, Giannis is here. He's ready. He wants to prove himself after last year's appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the Bucks. They may not have like the the defense that the Celtics have, but they have the best player in the, in the series, and I think yeah. that matters a lot. Similarly, how I picked uh, Anthony Davis, best player in that series, I'm taking the Bucks in this upset. And although it's not really as much of a 7-2 upset as it seems because yeah. of, you know. I mean, yeah, it's like, you know, most times being the two seed and then losing the first round is a detriment to how you're going forward. But losing your two best players, one at the start of the season, one at the end of the season, there's no way you could look at this and be like, Yeah, the whole season has been a success for the Celtics. I just think yeah, it's not going to go much I mean, farther. They're obviously set up going forward, especially... We, with all the young guys that they have throughout their roster, you know, Rozier making that next step kind of this year. Jalen Brown is nice. I mean, there's just no getting around it. And Hayward going to come back. Literally, they just gave him the full year, you know, take your time. It's so long. As well as Kyrie, hopefully this cleans up all his knee stuff. Because when it comes down to it, you want to just see the best players out there. And as much as I hate the Celtics, I'd rather have them at full strength losing than then be a shell of a team. Although I do think they're going to lose this one to the Bucks because of that. And I think the Bucks lost on purpose last night so that they could get the Celtics. Yeah, you know it. So, Although, I Miami know, should have done that. That was a sure. heated debate on Twitter last night. A heated debate. <laughs> if they lost if on they purpose? lost on purpose. Yeah, because they they're at full strength. But you just had to lose a game, and then you got to play a weakened Celtics team compared to the Sixers. I mean, yeah. I know what I would do. Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm losing that on purpose so I yeah. can get the Celtics. And they That's why, again, like everybody wanted the Celtics. Every, those bottom three seeds, like the Bucks, uh, Wizards, and Heat, I think all wanted the Celtics, yeah. probably. I think the Heat, the Heat had to win. But, I mean, you get in there and it's like, there's reports saying that the Wizards, quote, wanted the Raptors. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> yeah. They wanted the Celtics. Everybody yeah. wanted the Celtics and the Bucks got them. Yeah, I mean, and that's a real thing. I was watching, like, Chauncey Billups, Paul Pierce, and uh, Jalen Rose talk about this on TV yesterday. And they were saying, 
hell yeah, we want to lose games on purpose to get a better seating. Like that's that's what they do. It, yeah. it's, it's not it's not a secret. Like tanking maybe more of like a secret. Like but everybody knows they're doing it. This time they just came out and said it. Yeah, like we want to figure out the best matchup for us in the playoffs. So yeah, tanking is literally just like the worst kept secret. Then yeah, you know, it's like just so obvious when it starts happening when these rosters come out. Like it's unbelievable how bad NBA teams put like fifteen guys together. Like I feel like you just could sign veterans and put together any type of better team but yeah i mean so the three of us picked the bucks but you know avery's a hard worker like he knows about hard work is he going to take the celtics under hard work (laughs) here's my take if terry rozier with how the celtics offense runs if terry rozier puts up 35 points a game (laughs) they will they will win three games in that series that's fair no no they will win three games terry rozier needs to put up 35 a game needs to put 35 yeah it might take it to exactly exactly we need like some kind of just Al Horford, just crazy right. 40-20 games. Just the best picks. Yeah. Best, just the best pick in the defense. Yeah. <laughs> just that, that's all we need for yeah, Jalen Brown yeah. becomes, you know, Kevin Durant. And, I don't know. We'll see. But, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I guess, what do you want to do? Talk straight to the finals? What do you want to talk about here? Yeah, let me pause it for a second. Do you want to talk about All right. Oh, you all right. Go for it. Ready? So, now we're just going to give you our final picks. Who's going to get to the finals and who's going to win the finals? Because I think it's important to get this out before the playoffs so everyone knows. Um, for myself, I, I don't know. I still I feel like I'm debating it internally as I am saying these words right now. It, it's going to be tough, and there's so many different things that need to go certain ways for the playoffs to fall the way I think they will. When it comes down to it, though, I think it's just volume four, Cavs, Warriors. Um, I think the Cavs are going to win. Um, I think they are just going to be able to put it together. LeBron is the best player on earth. I think when you look at his work this season, everyone was talking about the 15th year, um, you know, just being dominant, but at the same time coasting at 80% throughout the year, which means he has kind of another level left to take off to. And I think with the additions they have on the side, they, you know, can trend in the right direction. It just takes one series to get going. I think they're going to do it again. And I think the Warriors, because they play the Spurs in the first round, are going to have a little easier time. Steph Curry is going to come back. But as we saw in the playoffs in 2016, when he's not full strength, it's truly a difference. And I just don't think being uh, that they have to play so many games uh, in such a short amount of time, it's going to be hard for him to ever get back to full strength at this point. Okay, yeah. So you say the Cavs are going to win the finals. I agree with you that they're going to make the finals. And I think some things have to get through there. You know, they're going to play the Raptors in the second round. And the Raptors are scared of the Cavs. They know they can't beat the Cavs. They That's always, the biggest thing. Yeah. They always lose to the Cavs. They have no one to guard LeBron. It's been a fun season for the Raptors, but the Cavs get by yeah. there. And then, I mean, we'll see. I mean, whoever the Cavs play in the conference finals, and I, yeah, maybe, I just think they're going to play the Sixers. Might be the Sixers, yeah, and, and just that, because of how it's set up over there. That's what I'm thinking yeah. too. But in that situation, the Sixers aren't ready for that. You know, it's, it's that's LeBron's time, and I think he gets them, gets them through. On the other side, you know, all year I've been thinking Warriors are going to just cruise in here, and they've had such a weird season. The injuries, you know, kind of coasting doesn't really seem like they care about the regular season. Yeah, um, they really don't. They I don't. Guess. But at the same time. You know, this isn't the typical Western Conference where they don't really have much competition. They have these Rockets waiting there. And, yeah, the Warriors will get by. Uh, you know, they get by the Spurs without Curry. Curry will come back. They're going to try and get him back into the fold here against whoever it may be. But the Blazers. Pelicans. But when they, get, when, they get to that, when they get to that Western Conference Finals, the one that we're all waiting for, you know, my worry for them is that can they flip the switch? Can Curry get back to like what they need him to be to face a team like the Rockets that are just waiting, waiting in the wings for this matchup the entire year? One of the best teams, like two good veterans. Yeah, Chris Paul has never won past you know the second round, but he has James Harden, who's going to be the MVP. They're just their their team, their offense is just amazing, and I think the Rockets have what it takes to be the team that thinks they could just flip the switch against them. I think if this is the Rockets' year, if there's ever a time for the Rockets, it's now. 
and I, I think they can do it. It's, 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 it's a hot take, but I think the Rockets are going to get past the, uh, the Warriors and also get past the Cavs. Rockets are the yeah, final I champions. For, I don't think the Rockets can be in the finals is a hot take. Yeah, I was going to say, the one seed to the finals is not a hot take. I don't take. think it's a hot take. <laughs> this is a, I mean, they won, what, 65 games? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a hot take. Um, but yeah, I, I think I agree with you that for sure, though. If the Rockets, if there is ever a year for them, it's this year. I just think Kevin Durant's done very, really good. So I'm going to go ahead and say this. If I was just going to pick the the that one eight seed to just go lose to the Cavs, I would have picked the Wizards to beat the Raptors. Yeah, right. You know exactly. what I'm saying? I would have done that. Yeah. The Raptors are going to beat the Cavs. The Raptors are going to wow the finals. This is the year this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. The Raptors yeah. are going to the finals. Uh, they've played the end of their season differently than they have in the yeah. past. Um, they're not losing stride. I believe in this Raptors team. DeMar DeRozan is getting better every year, and this is the best year of his career. Yeah. He's got a little bit of a three now, and he's using it. Uh, Valanciunas isn't a joke. This is a, this is a very good team. Yeah, they beat the Cavs, who are not at full strength. Obviously, LeBron's playing incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't deny that. But one of the things I'm not saying it's gonna be a huge factor, but one of the things to look at is this is the first time he's played 82 games in his career, in the in the season. He played 81 last year. But what I'm saying, like '79, the year before that, and the team, the team was better last year. I'm just saying, playing one regular season game makes a difference. Yeah, I think playing the full season the way he's had to do it this year, I don't think he was coasting at 80 percent throughout the whole thing. Honestly, at points you obviously have to take it up, but there are also a lot of games where he was just doing his thing. But that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's the huge, biggest difference in the world. I think it's something to look at. Mm-hmm. First time he's ever played a full season. Um, Raptors get there, and on the West, you know, what I'm saying. Oh my god! <laughs> oh wow! He's tapping his wrist. He's tapping his wrist. It's time, then. I just what a matchup there. It's time. I don't think. See, this is the thing. The I don't think the Warriors get past the Blazers. Yeah. Because wow. the Warriors are still going to be like Draymond isn't full strength, and I mean Draymond full strength isn't even great anyway because yeah. he's a trash person and a trash basketball player. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um, they got like they're they're too banged up. They're yeah. not like this is not the same Warriors. The Blazers are ready. This is the Blazers' year to like really, really break through. Um, the way that Dame and McCollum are playing together, and they're really well coached. Then the issue is the Rockets, and so when I get to the Western Conference Finals and it's the Rockets, it's Chris Paul choking time. Yeah, I mean that's the biggest concern with me for the Rockets too. It's just you know, Chris Paul. the thing though, the Rock- Chris Paul is not the Rockets' best player this year. He doesn't have that pressure. Like I, I mean, think a lot of people could argue that Blake Griffin at times is the best player of the Clippers. I don't know. It's just it's, he has different responsibilities on this team. He's more of just like a side piece to James Harden. Like he, he's just. But I, I, don't, I don't see I don't, the narrative, players. the choking narrative. You need, you need a, at least a duo to win in the finals, you know. So he has to step up. It's more about if Harden cannot falter like he did last year. I think is the bigger question. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the, I think it was a different year. He really had just done everything by himself last yeah. year, and this year his stats are even better. But he certainly does have a stronger supporting cast. He had you know Gordon all year. Obviously, having Chris Paul there is a huge, huge difference, and, and Capella just taking that next step and being a dominant big man and really adding to that trio that they have is is a difference maker, but I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting. These are going to be great playoffs when it comes down to it either way. And at the end of the day, it wouldn't be a Jesse playoff prediction without some something. Yeah, some that, kind of chaos. You yeah, know? you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> More times than not, that's, that happens to a certain degree. It's just I just yeah. usually don't get the right one. <laughs> yeah, this year, I did. <laughs> yeah. It's damn time. It's time. So did you, what was your finals? Uh, Blazers... Raptors. That's a lot. Who do you get winning? It's time. 
Blake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the city of Portland, Jesse, Northwest. bringing a nice smile to Bill Walton's face. Which yeah, is okay, that's Walton. not the goal here. <laughs> that is not that. the goal. Bill Walton is trash. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Avery, Avery, what do you got, Avery? Well, you were talking about LeBron going at 80%. I think the Warriors have been coasting this entire season, right? Yeah. So, that's true. Uh, that's my pick. Morris. Oh, the Cavs, yeah. There you go. Just a, a it's, it's a very standard. Uh, standard nah, I mean, it's not bad, though. It's 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 just like those teams are so good, and I think LeBron is so good. They just know they're playing the league that can individually carry a team mm-hmm. to at least the conference finals. Yeah. And if they just have a little luck getting through there, I mean, we'll see. I mean, that's what I was literally thinking this week. Like, oh, I'm just going to have to pick, like, Cavs Warriors again. But, you know, I want to switch things up. I think the Rockets are a team that I feel comfortable in making maybe a little bolder pick than yeah. the Warriors. But, you know, all these teams, like Rockets, Warriors, uh, Cavs, Raptors, Blazers, Jesse, I don't know about that one, but, you know, crazier things have happened. <laughs> crazier things have happened. I'm yeah. confident. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I'm with you, Nick. I, I felt bad just picking the same matchup again and again, but at the same time, those teams are great. Yeah. You know? I just think that, that like you said, Avery, just coasting to a certain degree for the Warriors as well. The injuries yeah. can be said, too, but at the same time, those guys took so much time to come back, and they really just gave them their time to make sure that they're ready for the playoffs. So yeah. it'll be an interesting one. Uh, and I guess we can quickly go through some awards now. Uh, quickly, MVP. Uh, some of the names there are obviously James Harden, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. Are we? I, I'm James Harden just because the, uh, the MVP is a regular season award. The Rockets were their best regular season team. James Harden was probably the best regular season player statistics-wise, so I think you just have to reward their season they had. Do you guys have any different opinions on that? Yeah, well, I mean, st- statistics-wise, LeBron was yeah. better than Harden all year. Yeah, if you look at all year statistics, but I'm also I also think it's James Harden. But yeah, I mean, I, I also hate the 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 narrative of MVP is best player on the best team. I don't. Yeah, that doesn't. That's not. That's not right. what it. That's, that's just what how it's, it's been voted. Though, yeah, that's right? what it's turned into. Yeah, yeah. But it's not what the award is. Yeah, it goes back to like almost like back to our Otani conversation and Mike Trout being right. just a value thing. LeBron James is the most valuable player in this league. Yeah. He's the best player in the league. Yeah. He should have, you know, by the definition of that award, won this eight years in a row at this point. Right. You, you can know? ask if you ask anybody who do you want to like. Who, who, what playoff teams want to defend I mean, Harden like, versus LeBron? Everyone's yeah, going to want to like, exactly. not it's defend like, what LeBron. What team, you know, do you take off LeBron? And then like any other team, they can maybe afford to lose a certain player. Like Harden is probably the closest to the second of LeBron, but LeBron is just the driving force of an entire franchise and has been for a decade. So, well, But I think Harden is going to win at that point. To make the point about Trout, though, there's also like the same kind of voter fatigue with LeBron yeah, that you have with absolutely, Mike Trout, right? Yeah. Despite the fact that Mike Trout had the highest war and like just the mm-hmm. baseline best statistics. Yeah, uh, I mean, this is Trout's what fifth year. Yeah, and then he should have four. He's gone. Yeah, he's gone rough like at least once or twice. Yeah, I mean, Michael Cabrera won two years. Yeah. One year he won a triple Josh crown. Donaldson. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. like you know, and the same thing about LeBron. It's just you don't ever really appreciate it because you just see it again and again and again. But at the same time, it's still the best. I think it should be treated as such. And I want to quickly just give a nod to Anthony Davis. He's not going to win, but what he's done with the Pelicans this year after Boogie went down, a team that everybody thought was just going to fall to the bottom of the Western Conference, Mm -hmm. held them and got them into a sixth seed in the Western Conference. Uh, His stats have been crazy, like Shaq numbers, like 30 and 12 averages the second half of the season. So just a nod to him. I think he is deserving just not this year with James Harden and LeBron. What's huh. insane is also the narrative switch of Russell Westbrook. He puts up another triple-double, exactly. but suddenly right. now he's just like a, a team killer. He's or sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, whereas last season, everyone was just ogling over him. So That's I, actually I, interesting. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to talk about that. I think it was so, yeah, it's so interesting how, like, first of all, he's last year everyone wanted to go for the rebounds and, like, wanted him to chase those rebounds and say, oh, it's fine. But this year, he goes for the, he had to get 16 last night, gets 19, and you could, yeah. you could see he only scored six points, and he's just right. going for all the misses, and everyone is just talking bad about him. It's yeah. the same thing, though, in my mind as, you know, 
losing games on purpose. You know, these guys are so aware now, especially with social media this day and age. They know exactly what they're doing. And that game for the Thunder didn't matter too much for the standings, right? I think they're pretty locked into yeah. that seed. Go ahead, let him get his triple-double, man. I mean, what does it matter? Yeah. I'm sure he has a contract. That's his life. It's another season that you can add and say, I average a triple-double in the NBA. He's the only lifetime. person in NBA history to average a triple-double yeah. in back-to-back seasons. That's season. what I'm saying. Like, that's an insane accomplishment. And for people to, like, bag on that and be like, that's detrimental to your team is an awful, awful thing. It's, and especially, like, you get to the point, like, they were, especially, it all came to fruition, like, right in this last game because he needed 16 there and was like, well, he's going to get it because right? he's a stat pad or whatever. Yeah. You get to the last game of the season... And you're like, oh, wow, I only need 16 rebounds to yeah. do this. Mm-hmm. Who ignores that? I'm doing that. Yeah, and not exactly. only that, but I think it's dope that the teammates helped him. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and, and, look, it's so it's so trivial. Like, one game of 16 rebounds is so trivial when you think about it. If, they were, if we were talking about this in game 33, yeah. to be like, oh, he needs 16 rebounds in this game, no one would care. Yeah. Yeah, and people are, it's so interesting. People are saying, like, oh, like, triple-double is such an arbitrary, like, number. It was like, no, it's not. Like, it's the, it's the word that is used to describe a great game throughout NBA history. You yeah. know, it's like... Okay, it is, it's 10, 10, and 10, or whatever yeah. it is, but it's like, yeah, that's what it is. Russell Westbrook got it. Like, show some respect exactly. on it. Exactly. You know? And it's like, one thing to be, I think it was, you know, I don't want to slander him, but like Darius Miles, I think one game had nine rebounds and he missed a layup on the <laughs> right, side of the right. court to get nine rebounds. <laughs> that's one thing. That's like, it. totally bang on it. But this guy literally was just playing in an NBA game, had 10 rebounds before halftime, and ends up with 19. Like, I don't understand why he can be bad. Didn't he have like 19 and like 15 assists? Yeah. Like, yeah. I do respect him boxing on Mellow, though. That, yeah, was that, was <laughs> that was hilarious. That was hilarious. And speaking of Mel, I think that's one of the reasons why he's not as really in the conversation for MVP Westbrook is because he has guys like Mel and Paul George. Sure. This yeah, year. people sure. are judging Mel on his name more so than how he played this season. Sure. Oh, yeah. Mel really hasn't been that good. Yeah. He has not, yeah. You know, you compare him to just other numbers wise, it would be like another kind of average player. It's really just him and yeah. Paul George. And I think I'd give him go Stephen Adams. As a I was going to say, I think we've talked about that on the podcast. Stephen Adams is probably more valuable to the team than. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melo's going to turn it on the playoffs, though. Yeah. The, okay. I, I will There's see. I think that would be the He has played well in the playoffs, despite yeah. like never really advancing too far. And even going as far back as the NCAA tournament, when he was at Syracuse, Freshman you see that, that primetime player right there. And, then, and he was great with the Nuggets. I mean, obviously a long time ago with the Nuggets. He was, it's yeah, just unfortunate he, he ran into those Lakers exactly. so many times. That's what I mean. He's and, had a, a bad history, but good. I was going to say defensive player of the year now. Um, I'm sure you guys will be happy that Draymond Green is not in the discussion. Avery, yeah. if you don't know, I've been a big fan of Draymond Green's and his defensive prowess over the years. These two have really not, I could just yeah. say, just quite Essentially, not. the argument is always like for us is that if you take Draymond Green, this year's actually, this is the example I thought of before today. If you took Draymond Green today, like, you know, one of the seasons, this I mean, even take last season when he was better, and put them on this year's Hawks team, mm-hmm. are they going to make the playoffs? Are they that much better? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Whereas you take Kevin Durant, you take Steph Curry, and you put them on the team, they're instantly a playoff team. And that's why Draymond is not that valuable. Anyway, so I guess the two main candidates this year are Rudy Gobert and Joel Embiid. Um, Joel Embiid, probably less heralded, but his defensive metrics are pretty good on that team. Rudy Gobert, the, you know, we know who he is. Mm-hmm. Stifle Tower. Yeah. Um, Anthony Davis could also be considered there, but you guys had already mentioned earlier on this podcast that you don't think their defense is that good, but... I said that Anthony Davis is a great defensive player, and they're just a bad team defensive yeah, It's going to be Rudy Gobert, though, I think, just because going back to the analytics and everything, he's just such a driving force for Utah. You know, Embiid, I think, will get there one day, but he's still, I think, is much more concentrated on the offensive side of, of the basketball, so that kind of hurts him when it comes to this award. But Gobert, Gobert just is... He anchors his whole game around the defense. Yeah, the amount the of games played has to factor in too, right? I mean, yeah. he probably has like what sixty five. Yeah, they're Gobert's both pretty played about low. 80. Yeah, I know Gobert missed quite a bit of time. Yeah, he's right. the season too. It's you know this is such a weird award too because it's like you have players that just change their style every single game and, and kind of concentrate on defense more so than others. Gobert is one of the few guys in the league that that really can just bear down and have major minutes and concentrate on defense. 
And Bede, I think, is even more impressive because he's such a big part of the offense to still be considered for yeah. this award. Yeah. That's a big deal, as well as Anthony Davis doing it all in New Orleans. The Sixers also have like defensive guys in the backcourt, like Ben Simmons and yeah. Robert Covington. Yeah, when you have Ben Simmons guarding a guard, like yeah. that just eliminates someone from the floor, basically. You know, And Embiid can, can just worry about less. But So we're all yeah. in a Gobert agreement yeah, here. Gobert. And yeah, Gobert. I forgot to ask you. I think you. someone from Utah should get it, too. Yeah. So get an award. An award, yeah. An award. <laughs> uh, Avery, did we get your MVP pick? Uh, no, no, but I, I think it's Harden. Okay, um, okay. I, you know, best player on, on the best team. It, maybe there are, there could be arguments to be had against uh, why that's the correct way to do it, but I think that's how the voters do it, and I think that's realistically yep. what it's going to be. So. Yep. Okay. And, uh, just do, I think Rookie of the Year is just the other important conversation yeah. I have. For me, I think maybe you kind of been talking about this for a while now. It's like I still think that Ben Simmons is going to win but you got to make the argument for the other half. You know, the Jazz, that's that's the one they're not going to get, I think, there, right? Well, it's become a whole thing, you know, <clears throat> Donovan Mitchell now wearing the hoodies that have the def- definition of rookie in the dictionary and showing, like, I'm a true rookie while Ben Simmons is considered, like, a redshirt freshman. He was on yeah. the team last year, he didn't play. He got to learn the sets. He got to learn everything he needed to know. He was part of the NBA culture, whereas Donovan Mitchell just came straight from Louisville, thrown into, like, the point guard position of the NBA team and is their number one off- option on the offense right now, a true rookie, having a, an amazing season. Um, so he should win, but he won't win, unfortunately, in my opinion, just because, you know, Ben Simmons is on the ballot, and Ben Simmons is uh, looking to be, like, a transcendent-type player. Hasn't doesn't, doesn't even know how to shoot yet, but is still able to control games. Still one of the best players, if not the best player on the Sixers, and beating, you know, obviously has an argument there. But I think uh, it's so it's, it, You know, this is uh, Mitchell's award in any other season, uh, but I think Simmons is going to take it. The best part of this, so he wore the sweater with the definition, right? I don't know if anybody else saw this, but dictionary.com quote tweeted him. So that he has the picture of, they quote to whoever slammed, yeah. whoever had the picture of it. And they said, do you want us to define the word play next? <laughs> I was like, wow, that's kind of spicy. Sheesh. That's kind of spicy. But it's tough one. It's tough. It's like, like, I wish that Donovan Mitchell could get it because he's had such an incredible season. But yeah. this has been Simmons Award. It's, yeah, I mean, it's this that is simple. just a really high-end year for rookies in the NBA. You I mean Kyle Kuzma with his stat line could win it in past years? Like know? if Kuzma was pl- last year, he would have won year, it. Yeah, exactly. Like so Malcolm Brogdon was great, but yeah. like they were no one was you know, nobody cared about like Malcolm Brogdon. A game, you know? Yeah. So that is tough. Yeah, I mean, like even at that argument, you'd say like Lonzo would be up for it if he had played <laughs> last year because he's crazy. Yeah. At least it's like you know eight, eight, and eight. You know that's pretty good for a rookie. Um, you know, this got to be upset that the this is the first Lavar Ball prediction that has not come true. Um, you know, probably more to come now. Well, easy, probably easy. I think obviously all the balls are going to be guaranteed at one point. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the easy one to get to. Yeah, so you know, not winning rookie of the year for them, but this is like I said, it's just such a deep class of rookies this season. So that is good for the NBA more so than anything. That just yep. have a, a young, talented wave coming in. You know, they've never really had a draft class, and I think since uh, you know that '96 class, the one that has you know maybe. Well, the '03 class. '03 class is pretty good too, but I think. Braun, Bosch, Wade. Yeah, Mello, that, that class, Mello. the '96 class, has what like 20 Hall of Famers in it now. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> I think so the I think the '03 class is going to be similar in that. But. Yeah, you know, and this could be that next wave. You know, that's another almost you know 10 years there where you get a new generation of elite players coming in. So that's more so what I think is the awesome thing about this going forward. Yeah, and I think we can move over into another segment that maybe Jesse would like to lead here, the fast food flavor, uh, or not, wait. <laughs> yeah, and that should wrap up the main awards for NBA. I mean, there are, you know, Coach of the Year, Sixth Man of the Year, and uh, Most Improved, but we can talk about those later. But for now, I think something more important to talk about is 
the fast food flavor. Oh, the fast food flavor. (laughs) And as always, when we have a special guest here, we like to talk to them about their favorite things. We have a segment called the fast food flavor where I'll talk about new fast food items that have come out. Um, And so my first question for you, Avery, In-N-Out doesn't count. Okay. Because obviously, you know I was going to go there. It's, yeah. it's the best. It's, it's, the it's technically the best, fast yeah. food because it, you drive through and all that, but it's right. just not fair because it's so much better than everything else. Okay. Taking it out of the equation, you got six bucks. Okay. No, 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 you got seven bucks. Seven bucks. Have some fun. Okay. Where are you going? <laughs> Chick fil A, 100%. Chick fil A, okay, what yeah. do you get? Classic. Spicy chicken sandwich. Classic yeah. spicy chicken? 100%. You know and that's like, what, $3 or something? I get two of those. Yeah. Right? Exactly. There you go. Um, <laughs> Done. Have you had their breakfast? Yes, I have. Yeah. Most underrated breakfast in the game. Okay. Yeah, Fair. I would say. I'm okay with that. Take yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they also do a fun thing where they do the, they like, it's like twice a year or something, they'll do a week of free breakfast. You just go in and it's literally like, not like, oh, you have to buy a drink and you get a free. You literally just go up and you're like, yeah, can I get the free? And they're like, yeah. And they change the item every day. So it's like, wow, one day it's this, that. one day yeah, it's that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you said Chick-fil-A because that's a classic. <laughs> That's yeah. I do, if we're talking breakfast, I do want to shout out our home. You guys are all both from Pasadena as well, right? Yes. Lucky boy, obviously. I'm going so, there after the yeah. podcast. Oh, there you yeah. go. Mecca. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have to join you for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Lucky boy holds a special place in our heart for sure. For sure. And Absolutely. We, we truly love them. But yeah, that's good to know. So what else? I think, Jess, do you have more questions? For well, I, have you ever had Whataburger? Uh, the, yes, I have. Actually, you were in okay. at an in airport in. No, it's it's not in Atlanta as far as I know. But no, I'm saying you were in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. Just continuing the questions after. But Whataburger, go for it. Uh, so, I mean, I assume I know the answer to this, and I hope I know the answer to this. Right. In and out or water burger? Uh, yeah, it's no contest. Okay, good. Come on. Good. Come just want to make sure. Yeah, we've, yeah. Had, we've had a few people on the podcast before who have gone the other way. No. Not only that, we've had people from L.A. Oh. Not picking it. Not picking it. Out. I don't think anyone from L.A. has picked water burger. No, we had what? Well, what was... Uh, a better conversation is fat What did Harrison say? Yeah. Oh. Harrison... Yeah. Harrison was the vegetarian. Be, yeah, oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, fat burger, and I think is a good conversation to have. The... Jesse, I think we'll back me on this. The the price of fat burgers would always kills it. Mm-hmm, it's delicious, sure. but you're spending like a twelve dollars on a meal there, I think. And that's you know, as far as fast food goes, that's tough. That's tough. Whereas in and out, you just get that classic double double, probably keep you under seven, something around there. The whole meal yeah. I think is under I think it's six twenty nine right that's now. That's what I'm saying. I mean yeah, it's yeah. it's rising, but number one, double double mm-hmm. grilled onions, chopped chili is just to let you know. Yeah, and I think mm-hmm. so you mentioned you touched on something that's important. You Avery, you spent time in Atlanta. The South is obviously known for its food. Was there any places you frequented when you were down there? Uh, oh man, not really. No, <laughs> that's fair. I went to Magic City once, though. We can talk about that <laughs> okay. off camera. Yeah, yeah. We can talk about that. I think we can that's talk about that. Uh, yeah, right now, actually. <laughs> well, off the record. So there's, you know, obviously a lot of great food down there, fried food especially. Cookouts is that down there? We talk about I've heard stuff. great things about cookout. I, I mean, I have never been, but yeah, I've cookout, heard great things. Um, have you? Zaxby's? What do we uh, got? No, no, Didn't never try been. any of them. No, yeah, those are, those no. are the southern staples that we got to try. Do you get to yeah. Waffle House? Of course, of you got to do always, a Waffle always, House. Always what do you get the Waffle House? Or what is your order? Oh man, uh, just the standard whatever it was. Like the standard meal. Yeah, yeah, and then hash browns with onions. Yeah, that's good. onions. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Waffle House, I went for the first time earlier this year, and it was just quite an experience, you know? Oh, yeah. I think my favorite part about it is just, you know, it, it's such a humble place to just go in and have a nice meal at the counter. You really get to see it be grilled up right in front of you, and the waffles are great. It's, it's hard to beat at that point. Everything, like, I like, like, their waffles are great, and, but I, my favorite thing about Waffle House is, like, the side, like, the bacon, the hash browns, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. all of that stuff is so good. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, I mean, that was great. Um, my favorite part, you know, you, you immediately answered Chick-fil-A. That was a man who nobody wants, and we appreciate <laughs> that. You know, some, sometimes on the fast food flavor, our guests, you know, tend to think and, like, grovel and not not quite sure. You knew what you wanted. We appreciate that. And I do actually have one more question. Yes. This is one of the most uh, – it shouldn't be, um, but it's a, it's a, a point of debate. Mm-hmm. Taco Bell or Del Taco? Oh, I don't think I've ever had Del Taco, actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So definitely Taco Bell. Okay. That's Good. that's okay. Right. I mean, Del right. Taco is great in its own right, yeah. but you still answered correctly, and that's what matters. <laughs> fair. Fair. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> yeah well, um, we know, Avery, we definitely appreciate you coming on the podcast. At the end of the show, we kind of ask our guests if they have any super hot, interesting takes, like a very hot take, or any plugs or shout-outs, You know, whatever you're working on, or just anything you want to kind of talk about at the end to close out the show. Oh man, takes. I wish I had one prepared. Otani, Otani yeah. is the MVP for the next fifteen years. In yeah, row. next fifteen years in a row. Yeah, twenty actually. Um, no, no, uh, no takes in particular. Uh, I guess read me on MLB.com. I'll be covering the Angels um, until late June. Um, Angels winning the World Series this year. Uh, you know what? For this podcast, yes. <laughs> on the record, no. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll take that. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Well, Thank you for having me. Appreciate yeah, you guys. We can follow you on Twitter at Avery underscore Yang. Um, any you have Instagram or anything like that? Or uh, I actually don't. No. Okay. No. Well, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much, Avery. We appreciate you coming on. It was great to talk to you again. It had been a while, uh, but Definitely. we got to catch up. And you can be part of Cautiously Optimistic episode sixty. That's a milestone episode. Episode Absolutely. sixty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Requested by Arash Markazi one time. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> that you're here and say <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, so that's episode 60. Uh, you can follow us at Cautiously Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe on iTunes. Rate, comment, all the good stuff. Uh, but for now, we can uh, go forth. I will go be enjoying Coachella. Yeah, get yeah. your, your flower hat on. Uh, yeah, get your flower crown. Yep. Enjoy those dust storms while you camp. Yep. And, and hate life outdoors. Camping is going to be very tough, my yeah, friend. We're tuning you're gonna. Something. You're going to be a day into it, and you're going to be like, wow, I should have. He's done it before. That's, that's, the thing. Oh, that's that my right? third time camping. I, I know I've tried it before, okay. and I'm ready for okay. it. No, it really is great. Growing a beard to protect from for the grind. Yes, I'm yeah. really willing to be able yeah. the beard will protect me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys real soon. And Welcome back. <laughs> Consciously optimistic. We ain't here. Episode 60. Yeah. How y'all doing? Andrew Toll's episode, as always. I'm Sully Angles. I'm Jesse Brummel. I'm Nick Ostler. It is indeed the Andrew Tolls episode. Although he is in the minors, we all can agree that he will be up and helping this team sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. I think he should be up right now, personally. But that's a story for another time. Meaning, I feel like that, like that started to become like a little bit of a, a topic recently. Yeah. Like I, everybody, like I don't know. I've seen our friends over at Let's Be Frank mm-hmm. uh, discussing a little more of, mm-hmm. of the whole Toll situation. But yeah, we all think that he's going to be up soon. Yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of time, and I think you know. The, as frustrating it is to watch the Dodgers like just try and figure things out. Not even try and figure things out, but just like go at their own pace to figure things out because they, you know, feel so confident in what they do have roster wise. It's not the most fun time for us fans for sure. But either way, you know, the Dodgers last night didn't go as planned for sure. I was at the no. game the night before, which was a little better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely better. But uh it's a work in progress still. It's a work in progress either way. It's a long season though, as we've been saying. Again and again. Yeah, they're playing a lot of NorCal teams. They won. So they split. They split all four games. I think because the rain out in San Francisco. Uh, won one, lost one against the Giants up there, and then split the home series with the A's here. So you're back at the Ravine for the first time for a game, as you mentioned. What was the vibe like? It must have been nice. They won that game. I mean, yeah, it's always nice. You know, it was one of those games, a Tuesday against the A's, where it just wasn't a ton of people there. Maybe like twenty five, thirty thousand. 
And in the gigantic Dodger Stadium, it looks like even less. You know, it looks like a, an A's home game to be in fact, you know, like 6,000, 7,000 people. But I kind of love those games either way because you have so much mobility throughout the stadium. Now mm-hmm. that is, the, you know, they've made the crucial mistake of opening up every single part. I'm never going to buy a seat on the field level again because I'm just going to walk down there pretty much whenever I want. And so that's what we did. Left field, you know, move forward continuously. The vibe is great. You know, it's it's just good to be back. It's good to, you know, as I tweeted, it's home. It's just got that feeling like nothing else. And it almost felt like nothing had really uh, changed since the last time I was there, which was the World Series. But FanFest. FanFest. Yeah. Fan, oh, that's true. For a game the last time I was sure. there. You know, in the stands. Nick and I had the pleasure of being on the field for that. You know, we didn't we didn't mess around with those silly stands at that point. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, it's just nice to have Dodger baseball back and to be at the stadium really completes that for me, I think. Yeah, and something else that's coming back to Dodger Stadium is the All-Star Game in 2020. Mm-hmm. It'll be the first time since 1980 that Chavez Ravine has hosted the game. I don't know when the tickets go on sale, but I think we all will be interested in attending that or at least some of the festivities that week. Uh, it'll be nice to have the game back at Dodger Stadium. Yeah, I think more so at our age now. It's just fun to be around the city for events like that. And can we talk about how ridiculous it is that it's 30 years in between? Mm-hmm. Like that. I mean, I get like, yeah, other stadiums should have a chance or anything like that, but like, yo. L.A. How are you not... And if you're a player, you know, baseball may be the one difference because you have a lot of players from, from many different backgrounds. Not that they say they don't in the you know, NBA or NFL, but I think like players in the NBA certainly are going to be more uh, inclined to go to places like Miami because it's during the winter, um, especially in the NFL. You, know, you spend all winter playing in tough places. You want to yeah. go to a place like Honolulu or that's nicer. MLB, it's nice pretty much nationwide at that point in July, so that doesn't make as much of a difference. But, yeah, just being in Los Angeles. It should. And also the fact that the Dodgers have the biggest stadium in the MLB with 54,000 people would make sense to have games there a little more often because more right. people can go just for that fact. Yeah, and another thing that happened in baseball this week, uh, it's, it's officially baseball season when you get some bench-clearing brawls, and two of them happened in one day on Wednesday. First, you got Nolan Arenado, um, former Dodger AJ Ellis involved in that one. Uh, big one, Nolan Arenado charges the mound, Perdomo throws the glove, which, Sully, I know you're not a fan of throwing the glove, and then... Just a weak move. You know, it's the same thing as, a, obviously, much worse, but like a batter taking his bat out to the mound on the way out there. Yeah, if you guys remember back in the day, Eric Gagne with the hockey background would throw the glove down, which is the kind of the way you're ready to fight. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally, and that's yeah. you know what Joe Kelly did on the other side, looking at you know the Red Sox Yankees brawl, which was let's go. That was a, a cla- that's a classic right there. You know, it may be a little early to call it, but you don't see brawls like that as much anymore. So anytime you do get some kind of spectacle like that, especially with the rivalry um, of the Yankees and Red Sox, it's it was it was quite a pleasure for sure. Yeah, I think if you get a Red Sox Yankees brawl in April, that just kind of sets the tone for the entire season, and those two teams are both going to be competitive in the mm-hmm. AL East. I think we're back to that Yankees-Red Sox rivalry, which yeah. I've talked about before on the podcast, and I don't know if you guys agree with me, but I think it's always good to have that rivalry. I know the media kind of eats it up a bit too much, but those are two classic teams in baseball, and I'm here for that. Yeah, I think you just knocked it. It's just the media covers it too much. It feels like when the Yankees and Red Sox are good, and even when they are sometimes, they pretty much get every Sunday night game. and After a while, I just don't need to see that, especially when they weren't as good. It'll be better this year because they will be you know, both teams, I think, that are going to make the playoffs. But I always think it's better when the Dodgers and Giants are the biggest rivalry in baseball. Cause I think those are it's more fun for us personally. And so I saw, I mean, I saw the clips of the the, the Sox Yankees brawl. I just wanted to make sure that did. I mean, I know he did in the game, but John Carlos swung and missed a bunch in the <laughs> yeah, in the, the brawl too, right? Didn't he didn't land any punches. He didn't land any punches. Yeah, I would assume. I just wanted to get that straight. So, I should make yeah. sure that all, all types of swings are, are missing for him this year. Yeah, yeah. It, it it was funny though. There were a couple of good photos of like you know the brawl. Basically, and then you just see like Stanton and Judge just like above everyone else, kind of seeing <laughs> everything. Yeah, and it's a size advantage the Yankees do have. Didn't even think about that when they signed them. 
anytime they get in a brawl to have two guys that you can yeah. bring on your dugout like that, immediate advantage. Yeah. And as sorry, well as, also, by the way, I pronounced, I pronounced his name wrong. It's actually Mike. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mike from, you know, you know where it was, Northridge. Sure, yeah, he went to sure Notre Dame High School. <laughs> Mike yeah. from Northridge. Uh. And, of course, we would not be... Never mind. And, of course, you know we're going to talk about Shohei Otani. In fact, we actually have... Uh, Avery Yang, a reporter for Angels. Uh, I'm not speaking very well right now. <laughs> and you know we're going to talk about the hype that is sweeping the nation over there in Anaheim. Shohei Otani, what a week so far. We actually have Avery Yang of MLB.com who's covering the Angels and Otani on the podcast in a bit. But before we get there, a word from our sponsor, Cancer Support Community of Pasadena. Last week was National Young Adult Cancer Awareness Week. 70,000 young adults aged 15 through 39 are diagnosed with cancer every year. That's quite an amount. That's where our sponsor, Cancer Support Community Pasadena, comes in. It's an amazing resource for people our age and for the entire community. The biggest thing that they do, really, is that they offer free support groups, educational workshops, and mind-body classes like meditation and yoga for people, for people facing cancer and their families. So starting this month... They're offering a new support group specifically for young adults. That's anyone who has been diagnosed with cancer before the age of 35. Um, young adults who are diagnosed, young adults who are diagnosed with cancer face different challenges than others. So young adults who are starting careers may find themselves putting their careers on hold while face- facing cancer, and that's always tough. Yeah, and young adults who are battling cancer may need to think ahead about their plans to start a family in the future and how cancer treatment may affect their family planning. And a way they can learn more about that is by coming to one of these support groups hosted by CSCP. The first one begins on Monday, April 16th from 6 to 7.30 p.m. And it's going to continue every month on the third Monday of the month. And this is at CSCP, which is located at 76 East Del Mar Boulevard in Pasadena on the second floor of the Pasadena Humane Society's building. You can find out more information about the organization and these support classes at at cscpasadena.org. And And now! And now! And as as Here we go! And as Tristan Thompson! You do what you want when you pop in. And, and now. Guys. All right, well, I'll do this after you guys. And now, Tristan Thompson. Let's say the and now one more time. All right. Three, two, one. And, and now. now. As promised, Avery Yang, straight from Angel Stadium, where he has been covering the Angels and Shohei Otani. Here he is, number six, two, one. And, and now. now. As promised. Our special guest, Avery Yang, straight from Angel Stadium in Anaheim, where he has been covering the Angels and Shohei Otani. 